Welcome, everyone. You know, I'm really honored today to introduce our upcoming guest for this interview. It's none under, not, oh man, see, I've already screwed up. <laughs> that's, that's embarrassing. So nah, just put it in there. Come on, let's have fun with this. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to the Plastic Posse for episode 21. Really appreciate you joining us for some great discussion that's all about scale modeling. My name is Scott Gentry and I'm joined by three great friends and terrific craftsmen to talk modeling. Doug Smith, TJ Holler, and John Benani. Doug, what's going on over at the uh, Casa de Star Wars? Well, I'm building models. That's what I do. But um, let's see. I am on that that uh, Bandai Perfect Grade Falcon. I've done some more major assembly, got some side panels on, and even a little primer on those and the mandibles. It's looking, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. That thing just just blows my mind. Speaking of Star Wars, I have I am completely caught up with the Bad Batch at this point and digging it. So I recommend it for anybody who likes Star Wars. How are you liking the sub-assembly approach that Bandai took on that kit? I I love building sub-assemblies. It, it will be a little difficult to get some of the parts painted in sub-assemblies, but then it'll be hard to get some of the detailing I want to do if I don't do sub-assemblies. So I'm just playing with it, uh, assembling where I need to and trying not to, major assemblies at least. All right, over on the East Coast, Virginia, TJ, what's going on in uh, your laboratory? Uh, not a whole lot. Get ready for some cicadas to come screaming out of the ground and make a whole lot of noise. But in the model room, uh, I've been working on my Crusader three. Um, it's been base coated and I'm working on the camouflage, which is not my strong suit. So I'm trying to freehand it and it's black over like a light color. So it's really hard to hide a mistake. I got a little overspray in some areas, but my Sotar has been running pretty is running better than it was um, when I did the base color. So I think it's looking pretty good. And then I'm also trying to plug along on the Tiger 312 for uh, Enrique's group build. He wants me to have that done by next month because he's going to put it in one of his YouTube videos. Over in the Berg, John Benani, how are things looking on your bench? Uh, it's doing well. You know, I think I've hit a roadblock with this T-34. I posted it online a little bit. It's the one with all the extra armor. It looks like it's neon green. I'm not terribly happy with the color, and it's kind of got me down and depressed. Um, so I need to return to German armor because I can't paint green to save my life. Well, I'm going to disagree with that, but understand where you're coming from. <laughs> Doug, can we get an amen? Amen, brothers. <laughs> See, I'm opposite of TJ. I enjoy the camouflage patterns. Ugh, I hate them. I've only done one tank that has camouflage on it. It was that Hetzer, and I do not like it. I don't think it's that good. I think overall that the model was good. The camouflage in particular, I I was not happy with. It's hard. 
I'm with uh, JB. I love camo. It's awesome. Although it, it, it certainly is a challenge. I'll take it in any color as long as it's green. <laughs> Absolutely. Doesn't matter if it's Firefly, Firefly green or OD, right? Right. Or 4BO. All right, you guys. Well, for episode 21, we're really excited to bring all the posse members out there. Another great Modeler's Minute with Ray Davis from Australia. Ray was one of our very first posse members. He's been really supportive of our podcast, uh, you know, right from the very get-go. And it was a lot of fun talking to him. I think you guys will enjoy that. And we are also just super excited for you guys to hear our interview that we did with one of the hobby's most recognizable names. He's really a titan in the world of armor modeling. The one and only Adam Wilder is going to join us later on. So uh, stick around for that for sure. Before we move on, let's talk a little bit about our group builds. So first of all, uh, Joe Porsche from IPMS Las Vegas has suggested that we do a group build display with all of the Rifield model T3485s that have been built. And he wants to try and get together enough to beat out the AMS guys who are bringing, I think, 60 tanks to Nats. JB, guys, well, what do you think about that idea? Yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah, I like it. We'll have to start putting the word out. We can tell everybody in the group, but I think it's a fantastic idea. I might have to finish one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Give us another one. All right, well, let's, uh, we'll make a post inside the group, see if we can start lining people up and see how many uh, Russian tanks we can bring to bear on that. Thanks for the suggestion, Joe. Man, I think he posted you guys the other day that it's like 13 weeks before they start set up for the Nats. It's coming up, man. It's like right around the corner. I gotta get. I gotta book my flight. I know. Me too. Because I mean, now I think it's pretty. It's it's happening for sure. I don't think there's anything that was short of like a nuclear bomb going off. I don't think anything's gonna stop it. Yeah. Problem is, you know, it is fantastic. The only problem I'm dealing with is my plane flight back. I got. I either have to take the red eye after the award ceremony. That ain't happening. Or <laughs> one that's at five in the morning the next day. So I might as well just stay up all night. Uh, it just doesn't look like good options uh, from the East Coast, at least for uh, the Pittsburgh area. Man, it's going to be a blast. Oh, I can't wait. While we're talking group builds, we have finally decided to announce our new Plastic Posse podcast group build. Uh, we're going to be doing an aircraft build this time, uh, specifically Battle of Britain Spitfire Mark 1s and 2s in 148 scale, I should say. And there's both a newer Tamiya kit and also the new Edward kit. And so we're going to allow either either one of those. I think Edward has several versions of that. So start gathering up your 148 scale Tamiya and Edward Spitfires from the Battle of Britain. And uh, let's get going. We'll have all that set up by the time this drops. A new group build. The TIE Fighter group has slowed down a little bit, but our uh, Ryfield Model T3485 group is doing strong, and we've got a whole bunch of new modelers that have jumped aboard that in the last couple of weeks. So if you haven't um, checked out those group builds, check them out. I, there's some tremendous work in there and uh, some really great references as well. Yeah, and the day this episode drops, the new Spitfire group build group will live. So by the time you hear this, you should be able to find it on Facebook and join it. Yeah. New group build. Sweet. Well, thanks, Scott, for that. We wanted to let everyone know that episode 21 of the Triple P is sponsored by Terry Wilkinson and Paul Crystal. Thanks a lot, guys. We really appreciate the support. These members of the Plastic Posse used our paypal.me link to help us out. We really appreciate it. 
If you are enjoying our podcast and would like to make a contribution, it's really easy. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you just go to our website, plasticpossepodcast.buzzsprout.com. And in the upper right-hand corner of each website page, there's a little heart icon. You just click on the little heart, and then you can donate any amount you would like. Or if you don't want to donate, that's okay, too. You can still support us by taking a few moments to leave us a review wherever you're getting your podcast from. A five-star review will really help us get the Plastic Posse out to more people who are interested in scale modeling podcasts. Besides the Plastic Posse, there are other great scale modeling podcasts and social media content providers out there that we enjoy and we recommend. We've got On the Bench, Dave, Ian, and Julian there on episode 112 as of this recording, talking about whether or not model competitions help or hurt the hobby. Plastic Model Mojo, Mike and Dave, and the return of Dr. Strangebrush. Just making conversation, James and Malcolm are talking window lickers and box sniffers as they delve into hobby shops. The Scale Model Podcast, episode 72 with Stuart and Jeff. Model Geeks, Dara, Nemo, Whitey, and Frildo talking mojo killers. Then you've got Sprue Pies with Frets with Stephen Lee, which is an awesome blog. Uh, Stefan Ezra Bridles, the Warhammer adjacent blog. And Jim Bates, a Scale Canadian TV YouTube and blog as well. That is a lot of content for scale modelers, so I know I look forward to all of them every week. So with that, the Plastic Posse is sponsored by Goodman Models, makers of the Super Sanding Blocks. Hopefully all of you guys out there have a set on your own bench. You can order these great finishing tools over at www.goodmanmodels.com. I wanted to give a couple of shout-outs. First of all, to Godfather David Goldfinch from On the Bench. I really appreciate your help on the project we worked on, so thank you. And also, as most of you well know, in addition to scale modeling, I'm a music lover. There's an awesome podcast that I really like called the Classic Rock Album by Album Podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. So if you like rock music, uh, check it out. They break down albums to see if they are classics or not. TJ, we had some good discussions this week online about builds and everything. I think you wanted to talk about, you know, each person kind of which builds were their favorite. Yeah. So um, it, it was the other day and it just kind of struck me uh, while I was eating lunch, which is 10 o'clock for me, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. And I had a, a wave of introspection come over me and put the question out to a little group, one of the group chats we're in, like, hey, you know, what is, what do you consider? What do you personally consider? your best build and why not just, you know, I I personally like to think about why I do things and and why I like certain things. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, it just came over me and I asked a bunch of the guys and everyone had good answers. So I want to ask you guys too, like, what do you consider your best build and why? And it can be for any reason, not, and this isn't even necessarily the one you think you've done the best because I I know for me personally, I, I have two, I have one that I think is, technically the best thing that I've done. And then I have what I consider my favorite kind of like, I don't know how you guys are, but with, with movies with me, like my favorite movie is the empire strikes back. It's not the best movie ever made at all, but that doesn't mean it's there's better, technically better movies than that. Maybe a few, but you know, that just because it's your favorite doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing ever, right? Like my favorite football team is the Washington football team and they're terrible. I like them in spite of that, you know, you know what I mean? So yeah. what do you think your, your best build is Scott? If we're talking my favorite builds, um, I did a Tamiya Samoa and I just really, really 
enjoyed it. And I, to this day, it's probably my favorite build. And it's kind of a combination of things. First of all, I, I started with a great kit that was a lot of fun, which is the Tamiya 135th scale kit. And then I added more aftermarket than I generally do to it because I, I'm kind of passionate about the subject. And, you know, the research part of it is actually something I don't generally super enjoy. But on that one, it was such a challenge to find the tank that I wanted to paint that it ended up being, you know, a little bit of a puzzle. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. So for all those reasons, I just, that, that one's definitely my favorite. TJ, before we move on to Doug and John, I'll bounce it back to you. Which one is your favorite? Hold on. You only answered half my question. What do you think your best build is too? So Samoa is your favorite. Is that also, you think your best build, like finished product? You know, I, I, I guess in this particular case, I mean, it's going to go against your analogy, but I would say probably, probably so. I mean, there's a couple of other ones that I think are, are pretty good, but I think overall that might be my best one too. Oh, I mean, no, that's no hard and fast rule that, you know, your best can be your favorite. It it can be your favorite because it is the best, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, all right. So if you're turning back on me, um, I would say, I think the best build I've ever done was my Rockfield models Firefly. I think that one really upped my game. I think before that, what I done is was fine. I'm hard on myself, but I, you know, they look fine. I don't dislike any actively dislike most things I've done. They're in my display cabinet, so I clearly enjoy them. But uh, I don't know something with that Firefly just just really to me for me it was like next level. And I think a lot of it had to do with using the enamel hairspray technique that John told me about that that set that build off. And yeah, it's I think the the best thing I've ever done. It's the one I'm most proud of. I mean, I use it as the the picture for my Facebook page, so. I think that kind of tells you how I feel about it. It's a great choice. I mean, I really like what you did with the weathering on it, where it was both a little bit subtle, but also a little bit further than maybe you've taken some of your other builds with the speckling and some of those techniques. But for me, that X-Wing you did, and Porkins X-Wing that you did will always have a soft spot in my heart, man. That that red six you did is just absolutely gorgeous. I d- yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I love that model so much. I damn, I wish I did not sell that. I, I sold it to my friend, Aaron. Yeah. Not, not to say that, you know, what I do is worth a lot of money. Cause I, I mean, whatever, but he got a screaming deal on it. I sold him, sold him for almost nothing. He's my friend and I didn't really want it. I didn't have anywhere to put it. So I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can have it. Um, and I've seen it once since I, well, I've seen it a couple of times since I've sold it to him. Um, I took it to a model show one time. I borrowed it back and took it to a model show. So yeah, that that's up there with mine, but I guess my favorite build that I've ever done is the captured Stug three. That one, that one is probably it's equally as good maybe as as the Firefly. I think it's close, but that is the first time that I I saw the picture of the captured one, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, I'm gonna make that. It took me three years to do it, and it paid off. I mean, I distinctly remember I was sitting at work at my two companies ago, so like three years ago sitting at work in my cubicle. I had a cube where I worked with a computer and it was at lunchtime and I was bullshitting around and I saw that picture and I was like, I got to do that. And I found the kit on eBay and paid probably way too much money for it. And then probably doubled the amount of money I spent on aftermarket stuff. Cause it's got aftermarket everything. I mean, it took me like a month just to find the interior that you can't even see. 
I bought a transmission set for it and you can't even freaking see it, but I know it's there. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you shine a light down into the open hatch, you can see it. But when I saw it in my mind, like the, the real thing in my cabinet looks exactly how I thought it was going to look. And it's not the best thing in the world. I mean, it's, it, but I think it's, it's pretty good. I, I really like it. I also like the weathering, um, the, the mud, you know, the little bit, you, again, you kind of like similar with the firefly, you took it in a little bit different direction than you generally have and, um, hit it with some, you know, thick, chunky mud. Cause that was what was in your reference picks. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was clearly dirty. I mean, it, you could, it was in the picture is driving on a, a muddy dirt road in a bombed out town somewhere. And I, I don't know where it was during the bulge. So somewhere around there uh, I, it, the picture doesn't say exactly where i love that build that one's coming to me coming with me to nats for sure doug what about you what is what is your favorite slat and or best build that you've done well favorites all kind of fall into the the recent star wars builds just because the bandai kits are so fun to build they're a pleasure to build they're well detailed and they just, I like to see them. I just like to look at them and, and, and appreciate them for what they are. The build I'm most proud of was, and Scott's seen this one, late 90s, I built the Hazagawa 48 scale uh, F14 Super Tomcat. That was a bear of a kit. At the time, I thought it was fantastic. Um, I had to fight a lot of things on it, some fit issues, and uh, it had a ton of parts, what I thought were a ton of parts for the time. It was over 200 pieces. Uh, all the control surfaces are separate. It was the first kit I think I ever built that had that uh, that canopy molded with uh, with the correct dimensions, so it kind of bulges out from the base, and so you had a seam running down the middle. And I sanded that off. I had to eliminate that and 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 polish it. I was really proud of that. It had its issues, but um, I put oh geez, probably twenty hours into build and another fifty hours into into painting it and, and weathering it. Uh, and I had a blast with it, but it was so much work that I still, I still have it. Um, it's missing a few pieces here and there, but I still, I love to look at that thing and say, (laughs) I did that. And that was, I mean, it was a lot of work, but by the, by the mid nineties standards, it was, it was the best Tomcat kit on the market. Nothing compared to what they're making now, but it was, it was a pretty, pretty fun build. Definitely state of the art for sure. Yeah, I was still using the old Model Master enamels, three tone gray on that one. I want to say, I, I I found some reference pictures. I I combined. It was a Jolly Rogers plane, but I found references from other planes and just kind of tried to replicate the pattern all the different hues took on that specific aircraft, and then transferred it to this to these markings. It was it was a lot of fun. What about you, JB? Oh man, I, you know, I think my favorite build of all time, I built it back in 2014, Dragon's T-34. Um, and nothing special about the kit, but really the finish. It was the first time that, you know, I, I really got serious, I think, with modeling. You know, we all have these modeling books and we love to look at them, mostly probably when we're going to the bathroom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you it's hard sometimes I think to execute on things that you read. Um, and it was the first time I really buckled down. I had the book right next to me the whole time and kind of take, took it verbatim. Um, and I, I was really proud of that build. It was, it was, it was definitely like a paradigm shift you could say in my scale modeling where I kind of evolved from wash, dry brush, flat coat, it's done to, okay, now we're looking at filters, 
more and more, you know, intricate washes, chip paint, worn finishes, pigments, all of these things kind of putting it together. And then also the paint scheme is cool too. It's it's the T34 that has like the white squiggles on it over the whitewash. So it's whitewash with brown, with the green bands and then the squiggles. And I was reading there like most uh, represent tire tracks, I think. So I was happy I pulled that off too by hand. So that would probably be my favorite build. You know, Humble Brag 2 is the first model I ever had published. So I kind of put myself out there, sent Marcus Nichols an email and said, hey, I have this article written. Would you be interested? And, and sure enough, he was. And and then when I saw it on the cover, it was, you know, really flattering and then just incredibly motivating. So that's why I hope you guys write an article. Have I told you part. about the model that I had published? No. Okay. Yeah. I will when it happens. Oh. <laughs> Savage. Man, he got you. Woo! Happy hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> oh, man. I'm here spilling out my soul, and you're just stomping on my throat. Um, oh, no. I think it's awesome. I, yeah. I just, I've never even thought about getting published. No, you got to do it, man. It's uh, Like I said, it's it's more motivation than anything. You're not going to get rich off of it, that's for sure. But, yeah, I, anyway, that would be my favorite build. Best build is I'd have to point to the Mine and Romer by RPM. It was like carved out of a bar of soap. Had to replace the turret. It was just a complete disaster of a kit. I think it took me like three years to build, but I finally did build it. And it's such a unique vehicle too. So anyway, that's my uh, favorite and best build. Great topic, by the way. I'll get uh, you back. You. Don't worry. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it, I just was sitting there like in my truck at, at lunch and I'm like, man, I wonder what everyone's like best favorite build is. I got to ask them like right now. As where, where I'm working, I don't have access to my phone a lot. So I'm like, oh, I got to get all this in while I have like my 30 minutes. <laughs> well, with this question, TJ, I'd challenge every one of us, and maybe we could mo- make a post on Facebook. We could share our favorite builds and ask our viewers to do the same on the post. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. So, so yeah, listeners, if, um, you know, let us know, tell us what your favorite build is. You know, even if you don't want to send us a picture, you know, send us a message, tell us about it, you know, and, and tell us why, you know what makes it your favorite or why you think it's the best. I I know I'm personally, you know, like I said before, I'm, I'm really as pretentious as it sounds. I'm like, I'm really into thinking about what we do and and like on a little bit of a deeper level. I mean, obviously it's, it's building scale models. So it's not that, it's not that damn deep, but like, you know, other than it's like, Oh, it's just that thing I do for fun. Like think about it sometimes, you know, and why, you know, what about what you do, you enjoy it, that sort of thing. That's a great suggestion. I I uh, forgot to mention it when we were talking. What's on our what what is on our benches at, at you know at the beginning of the episode? But I've recently picked up a new camera and a new lens for uh, model photography, and have been kind of being inspired by TJ and JB. They're terrific photographs, so that's a good opportunity to pull out the build and and take some pictures. And yeah, invite uh, invite all you posse members out there to do the same. That'll be awesome. Now yours is inspired by JB because I just copy him, so <laughs> it's all just funnels back to to John. Uh, I copy Mike Rinaldi, so <laughs> it all goes back to him. <laughs> well, it's time for the latest installment of our new Modelers Minute segment. We're speaking today with Ray Davis from Australia. He's a great modeler and an even better friend. He was one of our first followers. Uh, when we started the podcast, he contacted us, reached out to us right away, and he's been our friend ever since. So uh, enjoy this. Uh, sit back and open a cold one. And 
Here we go. All right, and welcome to another Modeler's Minute. Today, we're talking to Ray Davis from Sydney, Australia. He's been a friend of the podcast since the very beginning. Ray, how are you today? Good, mate. How are you? Very good. Welcome to the show, Ray. It's awesome to talk to you. Thanks very much, Scott. I appreciate the um, the invite. It's really appreciated. Well, I just want to echo what uh, Doug said for Everybody out there who doesn't know, um, when we started back in August, Ray was one of the very first people to listen to the podcast and send us feedback. And he's always been um, just incredibly supportive. And uh, Ray, we wanted to let you know how much we really appreciate it and how much your contributions have really helped our community to grow. Well, thanks very much for that. I appreciate that greatly. It is great to talk to you. Likewise, likewise. I'm still, um, I'm like Stanley at the moment. I'm um, still getting over the fact that I got the uh, invite. <laughs> We've wanted to talk to you for a while. You've been so, so great with us and been a supporter right from the start. We always enjoy, I'm just going to be completely honest. We always love talking to you guys in Australia. It's awesome. You guys are friendly and, and modeling just seems like from talking with David Goldfinch and mm-hmm. even Lincoln and some of the other guys, it just seems like modeling's so much more of a community over there in Australia than it is here in the States. Yeah, it's it seems to be that way. Um, it's funny, actually. I was listening to um, the latest on the bench, and um, they had a community member uh, mention that there's a model show coming up shortly. It's about an hour's drive from where I am. I was like, wow, that's, that's great. I wouldn't have known otherwise because being so busy. That all goes back to the the podcasts too, especially in my situation at the moment. You know, I need to break the monotony and um, listen to the favorite podcasts. And um, yeah, so community is very strong over here for sure. How's the house coming along? Uh, I think, (laughs) yeah, yeah, you, you can see as of yesterday, we think, fingers crossed, that we may be seeing the the finishing line, but um, it's it's been great that we've actually had a few people coming over and, and giving us a hand as well. And with them saying, oh, you know, it's looking great, it's coming along nicely, it sort of gives us that, okay, something is being done, we are getting to the end of it, because otherwise it's you can't see the forest for the trees, it's just a monotonous, you know, rearmed yeah. groundhog day, basically. So, <laughs> yes. Awesome. That's one of my favorite movies ever. <laughs> uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it, so yeah. Yeah. I think I'm leaving it. Scott and I wanted to come help, but we couldn't afford the uh, two-week quarantine to get in the in the country right now, so sorry. Oh, man, that's got to be the worst excuse I've heard so far. I mean, I've heard everything <laughs> from, you know, I mean, come on, guys. It's only a little swim. Um, we want we want people to get to to know you a little bit. Your job is really really interesting. I mean, for an American, seeing your shots of the aircraft that you've been around, your balloons, um, seeing the koalas at night—that's all <laughs> stuff that is just to us is super cool. Yeah, and thanks for the video you sent of that. I mean, last gosh, it's been months, but that juvenile uh, tiger snake. 
No, the Tigers, no, yeah, um, I actually still get a few of the the workers um, asking me, you know, are you the guy that, you know, sent in that report? And it's like, yeah, 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 here, here's the phone, you know, here it is. So, yeah, it was a bit of a rarity. So, um, as I said, it's anything to break the monotony of things, you know, especially yeah. in the world at the moment. So, but um, I'm just, I, I'm just hoping that you guys don't ask for any technical details on modeling <laughs> and stuff because my last name is Davis, not Rinaldi. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just cut to the chase there. Well, as you, as you know, this, this podcast, it's not about technical stuff. It's about, you know, trying to build a community, trying to be positive trying to hopefully give people that are isolated, whether it's COVID or just, you know, the the fact that modelers tend to be solitary, mm. give people a little bit of company and and hopefully they all feel like we're all hanging out at a hobby store telling lies to each other. And yeah. you know, that's that's the whole goal of the posse. That's why we call it the posse. And mm. well that's the great common thing that um the all the podcasts have is the the community the camaraderie and so forth however having said that you you have all managed to actually have your own niche on things which has been really great and and so far knock on wood you haven't clashed with either one you know so you're all doing a great job and like you guys said the um on the last episode you know you watch each other because you enjoy it but you also watch and listen to each other, so that way you're not stop stepping on anyone's toes, which I think is great, you know. And it, it breaks that old-fashioned, you know, the old-fashioned grey-haired modeler that doesn't want to reveal his secrets and so forth and so on. So I think it's great. You guys are doing great. So just to get us started, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been modeling? You know, where where does that interest in scale modeling come from? Those kinds of things. Believe it or not, I was actually a late bloomer. I didn't actually start modelling until I was about 14. Unfortunately, it was a bit of sweet time. We are actually uh, cleaning up uh, my late father's uh, belongings and so forth, and right in the back of a, a wardrobe up high was a model kit. It was, uh, I think it was a, a Puma helicopter from Airfix. I got it down and... I asked my mum, what, what's, what's this? And um, obviously it was a bit emotional and she said, oh, well, that was something that you guys were going to do together. And it's like, oh, okay. And so it sort of started from that, really. I was sort of fumbled around and, um, you know, you, back then it was a case of get the old testers glue, the old orange tube stuff. And, yeah, it, it, it wasn't pretty, but... Um, it, it lasted a few years, and yeah, that, that's where I basically got started. Oh, that's terrific! And then uh, it seems like that's a hobby that, even though you're an incredibly busy guy, that you've remained pretty passionate about through the years. Yeah, I I, I haven't actually lost that that feeling, um, basically because it's it's a relief valve just when you want some time by yourself, just to reset, and you know, and so forth, and. Also, having the love of aviation as well sort of helps along the way. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you you send along quite a few pictures of your one-to-one scale aviation interest. You know, beautiful, beautiful aircraft that you've taken photographs of and, and you're involved in a company that helps uh, people take balloon rides. Tell us a little bit about your love of uh, aviation and one-to-one scale. 
Well, my love of aviation was basically it started around the same time I actually came across the plastic bottle. It was around 1988, and there was a air show at a local um, uh, air force base up here in Richmond, and it was a big big giant international air show. So you had the Americans, you had the Russians, you had the New Zealanders. And that was the first ever air show I'd been to. And it was the first time I'd actually seen what aircraft could do from then on. Loved it. Moving on, I left high school and there was a job in the paper for a uh, cadetship for getting a commercial pilot license and so forth. So I applied thinking, well, I'm not going to have much of a chance because I didn't do really good at school, but I'll give it a go anyway. Well, come long story short, I got the cadetship and basically ended up being a, a student pilot. And that's also what furthered and basically um, fed the, the hunger for the models as well because I was living what I was doing. So I thought, well, I'm... I might want to remind myself of those things. So I'll build those models as well. So that's where it's basically stemmed from. And unfortunately, due to life and, and so forth, I didn't get right to the private license part of things, but I've never, ever lost the the um, the passion of aviation and, and so forth. So hence why I'm sure everyone out there that knows me is rolling their eyes going, oh, bloody hell, here we go, more aircraft. But, um, but no, that's why there's always um, photos at some stage and, and something like that. So, yeah. You know, my favorite memories with regards to those kinds of things, Doug and I have gone to several air shows. There's a large Air Force base close to us um, at Hill Air Force Base. Uh, right now they host a couple of fighter squadrons of the F-35s. And uh, years ago, uh, we were fortunate enough to go down to Las Vegas where the Nats are going to be here in a little bit and see the 50th anniversary of the U.S. Air Force. They put on a huge all-day-long air show. Other than the fact that uh, we kind of didn't think ahead and use any sunscreen and got burnt to a crisp, <laughs> it, was a, it was an incredible day. You know, we saw pilots like Chuck Yeager and Robin Olds, you know, flying, flying aircraft. We saw just about every aircraft in the Air Force's in, um, inventory fly. It was just a like you're saying, it's just a great day. It's hard not to really fall in love with aviation all over again when you're at an event like that. Yeah, that's true. And um, I don't think you have experienced an air show unless you've gone home literally looking like a lobster and very sore. <laughs> well, we, actually, <laughs> we had made the plan of staying and going to the second day because it was mm. a Saturday, Sunday one. We're like, we can do this two days in a row. And we walked out of there having stared at the sky for eight hours, realizing we were fried and we needed to get home before the mm. real pain set in. And that was a, what are we, six hours, almost six hours from home at the time. So yeah. we left and we got going. The Ironically, the only other, the worst sunburn than that that I ever had was in Sydney. So, but that was head to toe. Yeah. So that was a little worse. Yeah, I recently experienced that. Um, we had a an air show down south in a place called uh, Tamora, uh, near near Canberra. And it was a air show just full of warbirds and so forth. And it was a great experience. But, yep, definitely come home looking like a lobster. So I've, I've heard of that show. It's a big one. It is a great show, honestly. It was fantastic, and especially with everything going on at the moment. 
it was a little bit restricted with crowds, but that was actually good in a way too because you got to breathe and see what you needed to see. So, no, it was really great. All right. Give us a couple of your favorites from either that show or some other air shows. Uh, what aircraft do you really love seeing in the in the air? Uh, I have to admit I like the golden oldies, like the, um, the Tiger Moths and uh, the Spitfires. Recently, at the recent air show I went to, we actually had three uh, Spitfires flying at once. Wow! And that that was a that was a first in a very 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 long time here in Australia. So that was a very special moment. But basically, if it gets up in the air and plays around with those clouds, I love it. You know, we were we were talking. Uh, you know, before we started the recording, we were talking about sort of some of the differences between the modeling community here in the States and the modeling community in Australia. And, uh, you know, we've, we've had Dave Goldfinch on the show before, and it sounds like, uh, you know, the modeling community down there in Australia is just a lot more prevalent, a lot more shops, a lot more clubs than up here in the States. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, it's definitely a very strong community uh, here in Australia, um, as Dave has mentioned previously. Unfortunately, New South Wales hasn't got as many uh, modelling shops as what down in Victoria does, where Dave lives. However, we, we can still hold our own. You know, we've, we've got a big store here in uh, Sydney called Hobbyco, which I believe uh, Lincoln Wright is a very popular visitor to he lives in sydney as well although we don't have as many we still you know we still hold our own and in general absolutely um the community is very strong and alive here for sure other than um aircraft because obviously you love to build aircraft uh what else do you like to build or is there anything else you like to build um, I've dabbled with the occasional, um, ship. And when I say dabble, I mean only once. And that was a 350 scale Titanic, which unfortunately it basically had the same fate as the real one. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, you open the box and you think, oh, okay, no worries. I can do this. And then all of a sudden you see the, the brass etch frets there and you think, Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know about this. I'll give it a go, but yeah. But um, that's definitely got to be my out of comfort zone uh, for sure um, to the point where actually I have uh, been a glutton for punishment and I have in my stash a 1 to 350 scale FFG uh, Perry class frigate and I've also got all the attachments to go with it from Pontos. So I think I've really bitten off more than I can chew. And when I've got the time and the um, fortitude to tackle it, I will definitely be tackling it. But, yeah, my my main uh, area is aircraft. Any Star Wars Any Star Wars in there? That's important to me. Uh, well, you'll be very <laughs> happy to know that because of your podcast, Plug Plug Wink Wink, um, <laughs> I have actually acquired – basically three little TIE fighters. So two standard TIE fighters and the advanced TIE fighter. They're only in 144 scale, but it's enough to dip my toe in. And yet I I basically looked at them after I put them together and thought, wow, why did I wait so long? They are very enjoy- they're a very enjoyable kit to put together. I do have a advanced 
another advanced TIE fighter from an old company, uh, I think MPC. And when I heard a recent uh, episode of your guys' podcast for the Star Wars models and someone said, yeah, good luck with the MPC, I thought, you know what, challenge accepted. <laughs> and so although I'm in the builders group, I have only done a little bit with it, but I've actually put a little bit of a, a twist on it. So I'm not going to reveal any more on that one. Just in case I, A, fall on my face, and, <laughs> and B, in case I fall on my face. But we'll see how it goes. So, yes, definitely Star Wars figures there. There was a there was the big drawback to that kit is those solar panels. It's mm. just a flat surface that to glued to a flat surface to hold them in place. There's just a little rim to fit the, the main body into the solar panels. And yeah. that's, that's where the problem is. There's nothing to secure it. And when I was a kid, I tried building that and – and in my mind, being a kid, it was, let's put more glue on it to hold it in place. And that model glue just melted the plastic and it would never stay put after that. So yeah, exactly. So that's, that's my my complaint about that kit is just how hard it is to get the solar panels to, to stay on. Well, I'm actually looking forward to um, seeing what, what is it, round one, I think, is uh, reissuing and basically revamping these kits. Round two, yeah, and they 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 say they're going to update the tooling and um, add some new parts and everything. So yeah, mm. that'll be uh, that'll be exciting. Doug and I both are hoping that they can do something with that uh, shuttle Titanium kit and oh, yeah. maybe spruce that up a little bit and bring that back to the market with some upgraded uh, fit. Yes, I'm sure there'll be a lot of happy smiles on uh, a few benches if they've received those new kits and new tools. So yeah. I'll be looking forward to it myself. Um, of all the kits you've built, let's talk aircraft again. Of all the kits you've built, is there is there one in particular that stands out, a kit that you really enjoyed more than others, or uh, just the airframe that you like the most? Oh, that's a long, that's a long distinguished one, that one. Um, I'd have to say the one that I did, oh, actually, there is one currently uh, on my bench that's, sort of a slow builder and that's actually the 1 to 32 scale Tamiya Spitfire. I've always wanted one of those uh, ever since I can remember and it also stems back to the inspiration of the recent Warbird air show that I went to. There's a specific um, scheme of Grey Nurse Squadron and ever since I saw that those markings I always wanted one. So I got that so it's a very slow build but yeah I have to say um, I'm very happy with uh, the Tamiya version of the Spitfire specifically. Absolutely. I've got one of those, and I have the new tool, uh, 48 scale one as well, and I'm looking forward to both. That, that, there's nothing prettier than a Spitfire, especially in the air. There's just nothing prettier. No, no, definitely not. I mean, for me personally, the second to come along is got to be the, the Hurricane, actually, and I saw that uh, a few years ago for the first time. Yeah, that's another model I wouldn't mind putting together as well. So yeah, I've never seen one of those fly. That's, as long as it's not, to me. yeah, oh, that's true. As long as it's not a helikit. <laughs> I've got, I've got no a, arguments I, here. I have a hel. I've got only one helikit in my stash, and that's actually a. I'm trying to refurbish it, and it's actually an old um, uh, one to seventy-two scale uh, super constellation. And I'm I'm actually trying to revamp that up to look like uh, we've got a airworthy 
super constellation down here in a place called Wollongong. Uh, there's a major uh, museum down there called Haas Aviation Museum, and they've actually got an airworthy super constellation. So I've actually gone so far as to go down there and actually get paint chips from the guys that have actually painted it. So then when it gets time, I'll use that and, yeah, we'll see how we go. But other than that, no, no hella kids. I was lucky enough to see one of those fly at Hiller Force Base. So that was that was quite an experience. Yeah, it's very graceful going through the sky, that's for sure. Just the shape of it. So absolutely. So hopefully you're okay with me sharing this, but you've you've shared some experiences where you you work a lot of night shift and and you use our uh our podcast as sort of uh keeping you company at night and mm-hmm. uh you've been able to send us some videos of uh for us guys here in the state are some pretty cool wildlife, uh, you know, koala bears and, you know, Doug really likes the reptiles and stuff. Yeah. Um, one of the many places that I, cause I'm actually a, well, basically I'm a, I do security. I work as a security officer and doing mobile patrol and so forth. So I drive around Sydney at night and one of the places that uh, I visit is a, um, uh, a dam basically and it's full of bush and uh, and so forth so there's always something new every single night whether it be wild deer you know koalas wombats the occasional echidna you know so yeah it's it's definitely a, a must place for the wildlife enthusiast that's for sure and it's something different for me as well so you know you don't even though I live in Australia, I don't get to see it every day sort of thing. It's not like, you know, we go out our door and, oh, there's a couple of kangaroos, you know, especially here in Sydney. So it's it's something different. Yeah, just don't touch anything. That's what Lincoln told us. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. You don't want to touch those drop bears. They get a little bit upset at times. <laughs> it's, only, it's only nine out of the ten that are dangerous. Don't worry about it. It's okay. It's all good. Exactly. Yeah, it's only, it's only nine. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we were uh, a little disappointed. We were hoping to, uh, not sure if you had ever made it part of your plans, but we were hoping to at least uh, meet Dave and some of the guys from, you know, on the bench uh, over here at Nats in uh, 2021. But, you know, maybe 2022, as things get better, maybe we can uh, start meeting you guys. And, man, I'd love to see a koala. Maybe sometime we can uh, head down that way. Yeah, that, that would sound good. Um, yeah, I have to admit, uh, when I heard that um, the on the bench guys had to pull out of the the travel over there to meet you guys, it was a it was a bit of a disappointment. Um, it would have been really great to see you guys actually shoot the breeze and catch up, but um, unfortunately, it's not meant to be. But hey, there's always next year, so you never know. Well, I told my wife that I know where I want to go take a hot air balloon flight, so. Someday I'm coming. I'm coming your way, and I want to. I want to talk to you about hooking me, hooking us up with a with a hot air balloon flight because I'm not a problem. It. Not a problem at all. Not a and I'll probably be be scheduling that trip around probably a reptile show of some sort because <laughs> they're a little different down your way. Different yeah, animals, just so just a little bit animals, and so I want to see it. Yeah. No. Well, we've actually got a um, a reptile park um, that's. Right up your alley there, Doug, um, up in a place called Gosford. So, yeah, you'll you definitely have a good experience up there. And, yeah, definitely uh, when you guys decide to come on over, let us know and uh, we'll see what we can arrange. 
Definitely. This is going to be a surprise for John and uh, TJ and those guys, but I'm going to make an announcement here in your honor because you've been such a great part of the show. When we go to Nats, we are going to award the best Spitfire at the national show, the Plastic Posse Podcast Ray Davis Award. And uh, we're going to do that. So you guys heard that here. Uh, we're going to give the best Spitfire at Nats that we all like the best, the uh, Ray Davis Award. I, I don't know if that's an official award, but I mean, as far as the, the Nats people are concerned, but it's official to us. It's uh, absolutely a Plastic Posse official. We'll have to, you know, Ray had come up with a uh, a badge graphic for us. You know, maybe we'll have to see if we can't turn that badge into an actual real badge or something like that, you know. Uh, well, uh, we'll just wait and see, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah but um, I don't know so much. I think it might be a little bit over top naming it after me. But anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say it's okay. It's from Australia, and they'll be fine with it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, pass the buck. Yeah, I get it, Doug. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, is there anything uh, as far as the podcast goes that you'd uh, like to hear or? Any suggestions for us or something you want us to knock off immediately? I mean, here's your here's your chance. Oh, God, you've really put me on the spot, haven't you, now? <laughs> uh, I could either go one way. I could either gain a a, um, a spot in the listener area or not. But, no, um, in all honesty, um, I think you guys are doing a good job as it is, um, especially with the, the new um, segment that you've created because I think it, it gives more opportunity to actually see what the basic model like myself is doing and what interests them and, and so forth. And that way it involves everyone. It's great to actually hear, you know, the the greats, you know, what they're doing and, and so forth. But I think, you know, it's it's good to involve, you know, the, the guys that are actually just about to start in the modelling, you know, hobby as well. I think it's a good start for them too. So, no, absolutely not. Don't change it. Just keep it as it is and keep on rolling. Well, you're you're very, very kind. Uh, we, we really appreciate that. We talked in, in our, our last roundtable about kind of trying over here in the U.S. at least, trying to make our contests a little bit more accepting and more inclusive, especially um, for guys that maybe are Gundam modelers or Warhammer painters, you know, guys that aren't maybe those quote-unquote traditional modelers from your perspective at australian model shows how are those as far as being inclusive and and how do you think uh, you guys you know are either being inclusive or maybe could be more inclusive on those shows um i'll, I'll be quite honest i unfortunately um i haven't actually been to a, a modeling show myself because you know something's always come up which is unfortunate but i'm hoping to change that soon but when it comes to inclusiveness, as you guys put it, I think we're not doing too bad. I think everywhere just needs uh, can use a little bit of a tidy up, you know, to just put the word out and say, hey, you, you, you're a new modeler, come on over, have a look, see what it's like, you know, and these days everyone's willing to help everyone out. Um, and so forth. Yeah, okay, maybe you might get the occasional guy that, you know, thinks, you know, he's got the secret to model building and so forth. Well, that's okay, no worries. But there's plenty of other people behind him 
that are willing to actually, you know, share their enthusiasm, their advice, and basically, you know, bring someone in welcoming and saying, hey, have a look, you know. So, no, I, I think we're not doing too bad at all. That's great. That's terrific to hear. It's just a case of just keep on going, keep on putting that word out. We're here to actually enjoy the hobby, and if you are enjoying the hobby, let people know, you know. Don't don't be, you know, in the closet, as they say. You know, just just say, hey, I'm a model builder. Yes, I love doing this. And, yeah, I think, I think it'll be a lot better that way. I don't know. I hit 50 years old, and I just stopped caring what other people thought of what I did. <laughs> so I'll tell them. I'll tell them all about it. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to edge my way that towards the 5.0 as well. And, you know, um, my personal experience from my past, uh, it's taught me one great thing, and that's the same as your attitude, Doug, is who cares? Or, you know, or as TJ will put it, I don't care. I don't <laughs> care. <You know? laughs> I'm, yep. doing, I'm, I'm doing this for me. I'm making this for me. I'm happy with this personally because I'm doing it for me, you know, and yeah. Maybe you get the edited version, but when TJ <laughs> says it to us, it's a little more colorful than that. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure that, you know, we, we speak the same language, you know, it's all translated <laughs> into that same, that same terminology. But uh, yeah, no, absolutely. It's it, b- bottom line is, as has been mentioned on every podcast, you do it for you. You do it for the enjoyment. You don't need to worry about anyone else. And that's my opinion. Yeah, well said. Well said. What's on your bench right now? Uh, unfortunately, I've got a lot of squirrels on my bench, um, and they're they're basically half baked as well. So that's that just sums me up perfectly. Or as Dave called me once, a kook. But anyway, we'll move on from that. Yes, Dave, I haven't forgotten what you said. But anyway. <laughs> um, but no, no shots fired here. Um, no, basically on my bench, what have I got? Basically, I've got a – basically, I do it with 72 scale, just to say up front, basically because of my availability for space in the house. So all my kits are basically around 72 scale. I've got a couple of – larger scales but mainly 32 on my bench i've got a c47 that i'm hoping to do up in um, some markings that i've come across uh, when i was doing some photography recently from the royal australian air force i've got uh, a couple of bandai uh, 144 scale tie fighters and i've got darth vader's tie fighter as well I'm hoping to do that uh, in a trench scene, uh, trench scene. I think that's actually. I think that's. Actually, oh, and I've got the uh, 72 scale super constellation there in bits as well. So there's there's a lot there to keep me busy. I've um, I actually just acquired a little Cervesda tank because you guys have been talking about tanks left, right, and centre. It doesn't matter which. Podcast I listen to, I can't get away from it. So it's like, yeah, all right, I'll I'll bite the bullet and I'll I'll give it a go. And I come across this little seventy-two scale Cervezda, and I think unfortunately it's a a tiger, and everyone's doing tigers, but 
I haven't done one, so I'm just going to do it and see how it goes. So that's about it. Very cool. TJ and uh, JB will be glad to hear that you're doing an armor piece, that there's one in your future. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see how this one goes. It could go either way. It could either go on the uh, the shelf or it could go into the well of tears. So we'll just wait and see how that goes. <laughs> the dreaded well of tears. Yeah. We've all got one. So, Ray, um, short-term and long-term, what are a couple of your modeling goals? I mean, sounds like you're having a blast with it. You're very passionate about your hobby, and you enjoy it very much. But if you had some goals maybe on things you'd like to improve or maybe a different kind of you know, kit that you haven't built before, what are a couple of goals you have as a modeler? Um, I think the main goal really is to actually dip my toe into most of the genres, even um, the um, the Gundam at one stage, at some stage, I should say. Um, but at the moment, I think my main goal is to try and limit the squirrels. Um, you know, I think we're all guilty of those squirrels. You know, it's like, oh, there's something shiny. I will go grab that. Or, you know, oh, that reminded me of that time when, and, you know, next thing you end up with it at home and it's half built and it's like you look at it and you go, why? You know, why have I got half these, <laughs> why have I got half these kits built when they're supposed to be built? So I think my main goal personally with my personal model building has to be um, – to be consistent and to actually finish a model um, to my my happiness, you know, my liking. And then also down long term, I'd have to say using advice from listening to, you know, all the podcasts and, you know, all the, all the Instagram pages and, and so forth, just to take a little bit from that as well and just to help myself improve the way they look so that way I can be even more happier with my models. I think that's my main long-term goal. Well, Ray, we appreciate you joining us today. It is great to actually talk to you and uh, meet you and, and see you. I know the listeners can't see you, but um, it's been fantastic. Thanks so much for being a part of our community and uh, being such a great um, supporter of the posse. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. No, it's great. Um, thank you. For the invite, it's um, it's been humbling, that's for sure. It's been really great to talk to you guys finally and um, put faces to the names. And um, it's just a good thing that it is radio because I do have a face for radio, so that's okay. And um, But, no, um, I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to uh, support the all the podcasts, including yours, and um, hopefully one day down the road we'll, um, we'll get to meet up. And uh, don't don't worry, I've already put a reminder in my phone uh, to keep an eye out for when you guys come down and uh, we'll try and organize something. That sounds great. I really uh, look forward to that someday. And uh, in the meantime, keep enjoying your hobby. And uh, we always look forward to hearing from you and uh, look forward to seeing some updates in the TIE Fighter group build on those uh, builds you have planned. And uh, we'll talk with you again soon. Absolutely. You take care, guys, and uh, happy modeling to all of you. And to you too. Cheers, Ray. Take See care. You later. See you guys.
Well, thank you so much, Ray. We really appreciate you coming on, especially joining us from Down Under. I know the time change isn't always easy to coordinate, so we really appreciate the time. I enjoyed your insights. And again, it was really great to hear from another modeler that we interact with on a daily basis that we love to get to know. All right. Well, thanks, John. Speaking of uh, talking about what was uh, going on in the internet, uh, John, I noticed this week that you uh, threw your hat into the ring for some elections. You want to talk about that? Well, thanks, Scott. Yeah, this this week, you know, I announced my candidacy for the IPMS USA second vice president. So for those who don't know what IPMS is, is the International Plastic Modeler Society. They are the national organization for scale modeling within the United States. That is the parent chapter who's hosting the IPMS National. So that's the national organization and the Las Vegas boys are hosting the show. So that's really exciting. And part of this position's responsibilities, actually all of them, would be coordination of the national convention uh, from from the national organization. So I would be the focal point for, for instance, the Las Vegas club. If they would need help from the national organization, everything from you know, planning to bidding questions, that that is where this position um, kind of resides. And I, I, I'm super excited. You know, I, I really hope people give me a vote. I, it would be an honor. You know, one of the things that I want to help the society is obviously grow. Uh, and one way of doing that is hopefully bringing the nationals to other clubs. Um, right now, there isn't really a um, process in a sense for planning these these shows you know when a new club is given the reins of a show they kind of start from scratch and i kind of from my perspective i want to formalize that process to make it easier for more clubs to think about it uh and potentially you know get more um newer clubs hosting nationals where we see the show going places that it's never been before one of the common questions i see online is well why isn't the show coming to my area and and that really all comes back to the local clubs hosting it and they have to put in the bid. They need to do all that homework. I hope, you know, with my position and kind of expanding the role of that position, helping the clubs, you know, essentially have a how-to book to go to, um, to, to, you know, everything from a standard website to payment options, to vendor lists, seminars, all of this homework's done for them. And it's really just like, Hey, let me help you uh, run a show for the society. So that's, uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. And, one more thing, I got to plug my two good buddies, Len Pilhoffer. He's running for president. Fantastic guy. He was the show chair of the 2020 show that was unfortunately canceled. It's going to get reset in 2023. So I have a lot of confidence in Len. He's a fantastic ambassador for the society. And then also Rob Booth from the same chapter. He's running for secretary. So two great folks that I would love your consideration for as well. So, John, if if somebody wanted to vote for you, what's the process for doing that? So voting is very straightforward. The uh, There's two ways. One is online or through the IPMS journal. There is one catch. You have to be an IPMS national member. If you're a member at your local club, fantastic. I really appreciate that. But in order to vote for the national election, you'll have to be a member of the national society. Now, fortunately, everyone going to nationals is a member. So if you're going to Nats, you can vote. I'll just jump into feedback. How's that? It's a big one. It's a big one today. We're going to start off with our friend Ian McCauley, who wrote in to say, Okay, my friends, I am seriously running out of superlatives to describe the Triple P. You continue to innovate, and you're knocking it out of the park. Loved the interview with Stanley George. We did too. He's a great guy. I don't know the fellow, but his enthusiasm is palpable. 
I just subscribed to the Grumpy Modelers so I can look him up. He really appreciates, Ian really, really appreciates what we're doing here and how we are our own show. I don't know how else to say it. We we have our thing and, and he thinks we do it well and we really appreciate that. He says, more podcast goodness is always welcome. This hobby used to be all about building. If you look at the, at the modeling mags from the 70s and 80s, the articles were all construction and scratch building. Then things changed and it became about finish. This left a lot of old guys out in the cold feeling like we had nothing to contribute. I credit you fellows and Mike and Dave for helping me regain the fun and really get back into a hobby I've been doing since 1969. Also enjoyed the interview with Brett. He's a terrific guy. Met him briefly at Heritage Con. I do my stowage the exact same old school way Brett does and he's 100% right. When it's just been painted but not dry brushed or washed, it's pretty stark. Thanks, Ian, for the terrific feedback. We really appreciate it and keep it coming. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Instagram user Army Men Around the House, a.k.a. Gareth, who wrote us this feedback. Hey, I just found your podcast through the Mediocre Modelers at Facebook group. And I really enjoyed your interview with Stanley George. He has a great outlook towards the hobby, and I really appreciate his point of view. Approaching the hobby in a way that allows you to have satisfaction in your own work is the best way to really enjoy this hobby. I'm glad I just listened to that. And he really does do some wonderful work. Thanks again and keep up the good work. So Darren, a.k.a. The Scale Model Hanger, writes in to say that he's a new listener to the show and he's been catching up. And uh, he heard that we like Star Wars models, which is true. And he shared a 200 millimeter, I believe, uh, Mandalorian resin figure that I think is 3D printed, if I'm not mistaken. And he also shared with us um, a Tiger One. Uh, said that we have a great show and to keep up the good work. So thank you. And then Charlie C.J. Johnson is back and says, hello, guys. I haven't listened to the podcast. The last couple of podcasts, he had uh, some, some personal issues going on. But uh, he did finish episode 20 and said it was awesome. And from what he says, from what I uh, gather, I should head back and listen to episode 19. Yes, you should. And so should everybody else. Said He says, I've been following Stanley George since I got back to the hobby three years ago. And he loves his work and enthusiasm that he puts towards his builds. And he has to agree that he can't picture him being a drill sergeant in the army. Ethan Idenmill is back and he says he just wants to thank us again for the great podcast. He's, uh, he had some really good feedback for us as well. He says, I do have to confess that whenever I listen to interviews with professional model builders, I sometimes have mixed feelings. On the one hand, I appreciate their work and what they contribute to the hobby. On the other hand, I feel very strongly that for me at least, this is absolutely just a hobby. As a software engineer by trade, I'm constantly looking at computer screens, and the tactile nature of model building gives me a great way to get away from all that. Every so often, somebody will ask me if I do commissions, and my answer is never. Doing it for money, I feel, would destroy that sense of escape. I just wonder if anyone else has that kind of mixed reaction that I do, given how many model builders I know that do accept commission. He also says he wants to remind all of our listeners in the American Southwest that IPMS San Diego is hosting Model Expo on Saturday, June 5th um, at Gillespie Field Annex over at the San Diego Air and Space Museum. And again, you guys can see the details over at www dot ipmssd.org before we go on to the next one let's let's talk about what he said just a minute 
I, I've never really done commissions, at least not for a long, long time, mostly because when I start, I personally feel like it becomes a job to me and it's less enjoyable. I know a lot of people take them and that's wonderful. I mean, if you can, you can uh, pay for the hobby doing something like that, <laughs> more power to you. When we had Will on the show, he talked about you really have to find the right buyer for you. And I think that's really important, you know, being able to find somebody that can share a common vision with you, not put pressure on you, because that can, that can really, really ruin it and really make it into a job. So I think that's important. Yes. So I think I've mentioned it before. I used to do commissions uh, for miniature wargaming stuff. Um, and also I've been commissioned to do quite a few Star Wars uh, models, all all the the Bondi ones. I think I've mentioned that before. I've all the, I've built a ton of Bondi Star Wars kits, and I think I have two in my cabinet. I've probably done ten or twelve, and I either sold them all or they were built for somebody. I don't really like doing it. Um, I stopped doing it a couple years ago for all those same reasons. It, I got tired of of building stuff that I wasn't interested in or getting the opportunity to build something I was interested in and then putting it in a box and sending it away to someone never to see it again. I still have a couple things that I owe some people that I will eventually finish. Um, And I did actually recently take on a commission from someone I know. Uh, He wants me to to paint some heads for his Warhammer minis. Um, I was going to say no until I saw who it was in the email. And and, uh, it's a guy named Joe that I've known from the internet for a really long time. Uh, we met on a, a forum page and uh, I couldn't say no to him. So we, we worked out a pretty good deal and there's really no time frame. but I'll, I'm going to get them done. So that way I just don't have them laying around, but yeah, I, I'm not really into it anymore. Maybe, maybe, maybe if it's something like that, like helping out a friend or something, yeah, I would consider it. But from just random people that I've never met before, probably not. Unless you got lots of money. Yeah. So I, I guess, you know, I've never done a commission. I've, I've sold one of my models, but I've never done a commission. So I can't speak to that, but I will say it's very aligned with uh, publishing. So I, I will caution, you know, publishing is awesome, but there is a dark side to it too. You know, when, when a publisher gives you a model to build and there's certain expectations, you know, it, it kind of wears on you. Same with a commission. It's a very similar circumstance. You have a deadline, you know, you want to be able to execute on it and you kind of feel some pressure. And and sometimes, if not most of the time, that kills your mojo. You know, I'm certainly derelict on a few. It took me almost a year to get my latest diorama done and I still owe a sub to Patrick. Hey, buddy, I know. Don't don't worry. It's coming. But, you know, it's it's wanting to do something right. It's wanting to hold yourself to a certain standard. And sometimes it's, if you're being told to do something, maybe it's just creative juices. It's like, if I, if I want to do this and I have a, and I, and I can see the vision, it's cool. But if someone tells me to do something, it's like, okay, I can maybe do that, but, but I don't know. I, it, does that make sense? I'm, I'm trying to. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I've, I've been through it. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it makes sense. Really appreciate the topic, Ethan. You've, you've hit on something that maybe we can even have a larger discussion at some point on. So Our next listener mail is from John Chung. Before I get to his listener mail and his feedback, I want to state that John runs a a Facebook page called JC Chung Studios. I would highly recommend everyone going over, giving it a look, a like, a follow. He is currently working on a space shuttle orbiter and rescribing the entire model and also changing the geometry of the mold. And he completely, you know, scratch built the front uh, RCS 
portion in the nose. He's got custom decals for it. it it's absolutely insane. His scribing work for the panels and also the blankets for the for the heat shield, just just next level. So I'll, 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 I just wanted to get that out of the way. I applaud his craftsmanship, and it's it's certainly beautiful and. I know that the finish will match that as well. So I, I wanted to get that out of the way. John, you have very inspiring work um, for me and, and thanks so much for writing in. And with that, you know, John says, just wanted to drop a note and thanks to the Triple P. I usually binge listen to the series of podcasts when I model and I finally got around to listening to the Triple P episodes just recently. I really appreciate the sense of greater community you're trying to instill with shout outs to local hobby shops and other related model podcasts. I've also learned a great deal about your various interviews and thoroughly enjoy discovering how each modeler's personal journeys have shaped their approach to the hobby. Keep up the great work, and I'm looking forward to your next episodes. Lynn Young, first-time Posse member, says, I recently discovered your podcast and wanted to tell you what a great job y'all are doing. And he did say y'all. I love the interviews and the format. I haven't caught up yet, but I'm currently listening to your interview with Will Pattison. I've learned a lot about the hobby and new techniques from your show and your guests. I believe it was TJ who was looking for color schemes for his space bugs, and I saw this and thought it was interesting. Keep up the good work. Now, he shared a picture of, was that a spider? Yeah, that sort of had weird, all kinds of cool sort of colors all over it. It's very cool. Arachnids are kind of cool, if you ask me. <laughs> Scott's shaking his head no. GBA's shaking his head no. I like them. Kill, kill it with fire. Yeah, I'd make my wife kill them. The Aussie Scale Modeler says, another great episode, guys, and great to hear a familiar accent. And I did not know Hyperscale originated from Australia. Chris Becker, a.k.a. Becker's Models, comments, first-time listeners, sorry, chaps, I'm usually turned into on the, tuned into On the Bench with the Aussie Clown Trio, and I really <laughs> enjoyed it. We'll keep it up. Thank you. Dave and guys, the Aussie Clown Trio was Chris Becker's nomenclature, not ours, so <laughs> Just for the record, we have quite a bit of comments from Australia this time. That's great. Sure do. That's wonderful. Matt, Dugues Models, Mac McDougall said, apart from Will Pattison saying I've made a great, I'd have made a great engineer. Dude's obviously never seen my math grades. It was a good episode. <laughs> okay. We've got a bunch of uh, thumbs ups and, and comments of congratulations and and just praise for episode 20. We got those from Steve Baker, James Can, from LPJ Models, Ray Davis, Eric Johnstone, Los Kelly, Craig Lowther, Mark Sprayberry, Scott Pasichnik, Robert Morales, and Chris Meddings. So thanks, guys. I mean, it's, it's fun to do this, and we really appreciate that other people appreciate it, too. Yeah, thanks, guys. I, I just want to call out James Can. I love your T34E. Fantastic. I can't wait to watch the new YouTube video. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, too. That's it for uh, the Posse Mail. Uh, TJ, what's new for the social media shout-outs? All right. Uh, we're still holding steady. Um, you know, you can find us on Instagram, and you can find us on Twitter. And on Twitter, we are at Posse Podcast. And on Instagram, we are Plastic Posse Podcast. Like I said before, I think in the last episode, you know, if you're sharing work and you want to tag us, just do hashtag Plastic Posse Podcast. Um, I've noticed a handful of people have been doing that, and that's it's pretty cool to see. Now, to start with the social media shout outs proper, I'm going to start with a YouTube channel that I've been aware of for a little while. It's called 52 Miniatures. I want to say he's Swedish so in that area of Europe, um, and his videos are they're interesting. Um 
he does a lot of, you know, like, oh, this is like painting type stuff. But he also does, I guess you call like deeper dives into what kind of like what I was touching on earlier, like like looking at what he does and what we do as hobbyists. He, he's primarily, I think, um, a Warhammer Age of Sigmar. So like the fantasy um, stuff, that's what he's into. But he, he looks into and talks about like, you know, why we do things, certain things the way we do. He's also an insanely good video producer. His videos, the production quality is outstanding. If I had to guess, and I don't know for sure, I think he might do that or work in some sort of production capacity for his his day job. Um, it would make sense if he does, because if you watch one, especially his most recent videos, they're just, they're fantastic. Yeah, I was I was gonna bring that up. It, it's like night shift. Like each video is like ten or fifteen minutes long, but they're packed with excellent camera work, concise editing. It's it, the video quality is really top notch. Yeah. So if if you um you are on YouTube, I mean he's got a lot of he's got a lot of uh, subscribers, but I would say probably most people that are subscribed to his channel are more interested in the wargaming side. So you know if you're not and you and you want to just see you know, watch interesting videos about the hobby, I would definitely check it out and uh, subscribe and, and check out some of his videos. Okay, so for Facebook, I put on here Ace of Spades Model Works. And this is a, a modeler from California, and he does almost all aircraft. He has some armor and some other builds, but um, his aircraft build are stunning. He, he's got some of the uh, Yellow Wings U.S. Navy um, aircraft that are just beautiful. And his transition from natural metal to the painted yellow uh, dope finish on the wings is is just tremendous. He also posts a lot of, um, besides his models, he posts a lot of uh, step-by-steps and kind of in-process picks of the techniques that he uses as well. So um, again, that's Ace of Spades Model Works facebook.com uh, forward slash ace of spades model works check it out and if anybody's interested in giving a look to a brand new youtube channel as of this recording um his youtube channel started he started uploading content this week so it's only like three days old is and so ace of spade model works on youtube he's he's brand new i'm not i haven't had a chance to watch his content but it's it's like i said a brand brand new channel Oh, he's also on Instagram. I just looked at that and he followed me. He was already following me on Instagram and I did not know that. So I apologize. Um, and I followed you back, but yeah, his Instagram is great too. All right. And speaking of Instagram, I'm going to go with an Instagram account called scale world war. And, uh, I chose, I chose this account because pretty solid work, but also, uh, I think he's a Canadian modeler. He's the only other person that, that I've seen on the internet to do the uh, captured stug similar to the one I did. He, he didn't copy me. So I'm not, I'm not saying that, but he, uh, I've never seen anyone else do one painted in olive drab with the stars and all that stuff. Um, and I think he did a really good job. He, he took his in a different direction than mine. And what he did actually made a lot of sense. If, if you go to his Instagram account, it's Instagram.com scale underscore world underscore war. He front loaded the suspension on the stug, which in now in retrospect makes perfect sense because it's got concrete piled on it on the front. It it turned out really good. I, I really liked it. He just I think recently finished it. I think he posted it yesterday. And I remember when I posted mine when it was done, he saw it and uh, commented on that he was working on one as well. So 
I don't want to say that was a couple of months ago. And I, I saw it then it hadn't been painted yet, but I think construction was done. And I was like, man, that's really cool. And I think I commented on it and, and was like, hey, that's awesome. And now I saw that he has the finished product. So go check it out. It's, it's pretty neat. And you don't get to see captured American captured stugs a whole lot. So enjoy it while you can. Yeah. And the last social media shout out that we want to give is to the scale modeling Haven. I just became aware of this gentleman's work within the last week and wanted to show him some love. Fantastic armor modeler and aircraft modeler. I really like the yellow, sorry, the red nosed yak and some of the work he's doing right now on his M10. So go over, check him out, give him a like or a follow and yeah, good stuff. All right. Well, thanks TJ and everybody for those recommendations for social media content providers. To all the listeners out there, if you've got suggestions, please send those to us. You can put those on our Plastic Posse Facebook page, or you can email those to us at plasticpossepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, JB is going to add those links to our Facebook page, and I will also put the links to all the ones we've discussed in our episode show notes. All right. Well, now it's time for this episode's main interview segment, and we are very excited to have you guys hear our interview with the one and only Adam Wilder. I hope you guys enjoy this interview as much as we did. With that said, grab your popcorn. Here we go. So yeah, we have Adam Wilder with us today, a person that I've admired for a long time. I know our other hosts have as well. I don't know how much of an introduction he needs, master armor modeler. When it comes to weathering techniques that we know and love today, I consider him one of the OGs. His work has been featured in publications, not only in the United States, but throughout the world. You can find his work on YouTube. He has a fantastic series, Weathering at KV1, and his Instagram as well as keeping us up to date with his latest and greatest creations. So you know, with that, how are you today, Adam? I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me aboard. Awesome. We certainly are excited to get to know you. And, All you know, right. with that, I'll kick it over to Scott to start off the questions. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you. Well, again, welcome, Adam, to the show. Sure. Just going to go over a couple more things, elaborate on what John was saying. It looks like on YouTube, your channel's got 10,000 plus subs, mm-hmm. set, you know, 700,000 views, lots of videos. Um, on Instagram, you can uh, be found at Adam NP Wilder, and uh, there's a lot of good stuff. And and actually, if it's okay with you, I would really like to start off and just um, kind of diverge and talk about that Object 704A that you've been working on over there. Oh, that, that is thing. beautiful. Oh, man, that thing. <laughs> that is something that I've been working on. It's one. Of, it actually started off as kind of a shelf queen. I did it for um, AK Interactive for a little photo at book that we did together and um, I never painted it. And I put it on the shelf and I did a couple other projects between then. And uh, the Object 704, it's it's probably, if I could have one, steal one tank from anywhere in the world and stick it in my backyard, that would be it. <laughs> and uh, I took it off the shelf and, um, that, you know, long after I did that, that little book, I realized you know, it's one of those things where I, a lot of the brainstorming I do on coming up with ideas and how to put a different spin on something is uh, a lot of times I'll just put it on the kitchen table after, you know, after work when I'm relaxing and, and just, I know it sounds kind of dumb, but I'll just sip a few cocktails, look at it. Okay. What can I do to this thing? Make it a little different. And that's honestly what I do. And usually when I, 
I have a general idea of what I want it to look like, but I've but this one's been different. I've really made it up as I've gone. I've added, you know, I've added a lot of bed spring armor to it. And I'm finding I've added a lot of other details. I'm hoping to have it done in about two weeks. My goal was to have it done before the end of spring break before I was back in school. But it didn't go that way. And I, I still I still got a couple of weeks of work. I'm waiting on the figures. I bought some other details that I want to paint and put on it. And when you're when you're adding all these little details, and I'm telling you guys nothing new, I know, but you gotta treat everyone like you're entering it alone. You know the old saying it goes back yeah. how many years. So and it's, you know, I put a very complex camouflage on it, but I found when you put complex camouflages on something, it really mess, it makes it hard to weather it because it, it doesn't just break the model up, it breaks up all the weathering too. So I was running into that problem. So I'm glad that I added some of this, um, these, um, the screening on it. You know, they call it bed spring armor, but it's really not. It's, um, what would you call it? Almost like mesh armor. Mesh yeah. armor. Let's call it that. Yeah. That's cool. You know, some of the stuff you know you see on in Syria these days with the, with the conflict going on over there and trying to take that, make it more Panzer 46 and with debris and other little things like, you know, the great thing like nowadays we get the internet, we got eBay. So I came out, you know, I'm thinking, well, what if you have the commanders sitting on top of the superstructure in a chair? So, you know, just going to eBay, look up 135th chairs. I found some. That's not the way I'm going to go with it now, but um, I still got 35th <laughs> chairs. But I'm deciding whether I'm going to put them on or not somewhere, somehow. Um, what else? It's right here on the, yeah, I got, you know, I got some frule mouse tracks on it, you know, like it destroyed a mouse and, you know, it's just, I'll, I'll try to get it up in a couple of weeks and I, you know, I hope it's not too over the top, you know, <laughs> but. Oh no, definitely not. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you, we'll see. Huh? Yeah. I mean, you guys are very um, supportive. What's fascinating about it, sure, you know, the fact that you're letting this project kind of, kind of live and breathe and develop on its own. And kind of tell a story to you as you're creating it. That that's pretty interesting. Well, that's something too because um, I think that a lot of this, a lot of these subjects I do here, you know, people say, "Why do you do this Panzer 46? Panzer 46, yada yada yada." Um, it's more. I just want to do something that's fun for me. That's new for me. And I, and, you know, the books I wrote a couple of years ago, I said, you know, if you could take something like the IS three that I did with that screen armor on it, it's mm -hmm. with uh, part of the. Um, sides ripped off showing that inverse sloped armor i think if you could take a, a hit like a popular vehicle like that whether it be a, a t-34 a, a stalin tank a tiger and, and spin it and present it in a very different way i think you got a hit and but at the same mm -hmm. time you don't have to go over the top with it and still make it look soviet or something in berlin you know i, I think that can be it's 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 fun for me and obviously people have found it inspirational too which i'm lucky that it's worked out that way yeah, I think the the paint job that you've selected for it really is worthy of all of the extra detailing that you put in the model. You know, you sort of taken it away from that traditionally Soviet vehicles are just green, yeah. and you've really given it an interesting finish. Well, I'm, I'm again, I'm glad you like it, but again, it's I repeat myself, it's made it real difficult to weather the thing because it breaks everything <laughs> up, including the weather. Mm -hmm. And like Soviet green. It's so easy to weather because it's 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 kind of a dark color and and you can use the weather and to break up all the different details and different surfaces and the different plates. Where with this, it's a camouflage breaking it up. So again, you got to come up with some other way of doing it, and that's <laughs> that's when it gets fun though and then challenging. And again, if if you come off with something a little different, well, great. You know, it's fun for me, and hopefully, people will be inspired by it too. Well, I think I speak for everybody when I say that your models definitely always speak for themselves. So well, I appreciate you saying that, and thank you. And I, I didn't know that um, there was so much. Sometimes I'm not sure what people think of the stuff I put up. It's fun for me, 
but you, you wonder what other people are thinking too. And it, it makes you feel good. And I'll keep going with this. And again, I'll try to get it done as soon as I can. I hope you like it. Well, uh, John, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure people like Adam's armor pieces. <laughs> yes, I, I would definitely think so. You know, I, I look forward to your Instagram posts. You know, whenever I see one, I'm always, you know, spending- no, I saw on that, John. I know, I appreciate it. Countless <laughs> hours on it. I mean, you're, especially the photograph that you posted, it looks like, you know, in, even in January this year, when you posted the mantlet of it, and just the complexity of the things, oh, like you yeah, said, yeah, yeah. I saw, yeah. not only the colors of the camouflage, but you get into the chipping, the rust tones, kind of almost the, some of the grease stains too. So much work and attention to detail. I, it's again, a lot of work. Yeah, I find it damn inspiring, and I, I I look forward to every post you make. So don't ever think otherwise from me. All right. Well, thank you. Well, it's takes a long time to paint like that. That's the only problem. And I've in this this one that we've been talking about this object. I. I've decided after that, I, I might be going back to some more traditional stuff. You know, I got a tiger that I got all the, the goodies for, and I got you know, a couple of this building from the, the kit, you know, add the PE fenders and just do more of the traditional stuff again, but I'm not sure. We'll see how I feel in a few months. Yeah, the key is what makes you happy, right? Well, you got to choose something because when you, when you work full time and, and teaching, are any of you guys, have you ever had, have you ever taught before, had a job like that? Yes. So you know that it can be stressful and you're staying on top of a lot of things and you come home and you're kind of tired. And, uh, you know, so I get the weekends to paint now and, you know, I got to be careful with the subjects I pick because it takes me a number of months to, to assemble and paint these things and I don't want to get four months into it and be bored with it. So, you know, I've had to, and I've learned that the hard way. So I've had to be careful with the subjects I pick. Yeah, you got to avoid that shelf of doom, right? Yeah, I only got three up there. I only got three, so I'm doing all there. right. Wow, that's <laughs> impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, Adam. Well, for those of our listeners that might not be familiar with you, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, when did you begin modeling? Sure. What do you like to do besides modeling? Just, you know, a little bit about yourself. Um, I started modeling when I, modeling when I was nine. Uh, one of my neighbors across the street just had a whole shelf of um Tamiya models downstairs that he glued together. And I've always I'd sit down and watch the old World War II movies with my father when I was a kid. So I, I started back then, you know, before that I was just building stuff with Legos. You know, I, I just loved Legos. And as I got, you know, older in high school, you know, I, I started playing an instrument instead. And then um, I went come my second year of college, a hobby shop opened up opened up in my town and I went in and uh you know, I just started building armor again. He had a whole had shelves of armor, you know, and he was um, he was an armor guy too, the owner of the shop. So he really he really worked a lot with me and helped me out. So I worked as, I studied welding uh, my first two years, went to a junior college. And then after that, I um, I ended up going into the field for about five years and then took a lateral step and I started uh, designing the blueprints for the welders. I got more of a, into more of a corporate position and, uh, I went back part-time and got a bachelor's in um, the the major at the time. They've changed the name of the major, but it was called Industrial Technology. It's called um, Mid-Level Management Manufacturing. So I kind of used welding as my specialty. I tried to do that before I went to Spain or Europe in case all that, for whatever reason, didn't work out. I'd have something to fall back on. So it was a big push to get that done before I went to make productions. And uh, of course, after coming back from Europe, you know, I stayed in Spain for five years. I worked there. I ended up working in Russia for four years. I spent some time in Germany and I came back and uh, um, I just felt I, I just wanted something more in my life. Modeling's a lot of fun, but I found that the business part of it's okay. 
but I just like building them. I just like building yeah. and painting them. I really do. And it's, um, you know, the, the whole company Wilder, that's a, that's, that's a whole nother topic. And we can get to that later if you want. But to keep it simple, I came back and one of my, my old teacher from high school approached me about taking over his position when he re- after he retired. And I, I was really nervous about it because, you know, teachers and you put up with a lot, you know, put up a lot of crap from the kids sometimes, you know, <laughs> it's out of your control and you deal with people from all kinds of different backgrounds. Who, so it's, yeah. I've learned a lot. It's been humbling. So um, also, I mean, when I'm not modeling, I like to walk a lot. I take a lot of walks um, with my, by myself or with coworkers. I spend time with uh, my fiance. We watch a lot of movies. Um, she studied film, so it's every time we get done watch something, she can explain. Yeah, you know, this is the whole synopsis. Is that the right way to say it? Yeah. So yeah, it's really fun with her on that. And so um, you know, things are good. You know, we just got a house. No, I, I'm thinking of going back to grad school within probably a year. I need that to keep my teaching certification. So that's that's me outside of modeling. If I didn't talk too much, <laughs> no. You know, it sounds like it sounds like learning and teaching is something that you have a passion for. Do you think your students um, know what you do as far as the modeling and your your kind of reputation out in the modeling community? Well, the first few years they did, but I don't I don't talk about it much in the classroom. I'm, I'm more or less just there to teach the trade, and sometimes it comes up, and I say, "Yeah, if you go on the Amazon, just do a search here, blah blah blah," and, and they're pretty surprised now. But the first year, yeah, they they were all. They were all really interested and did watch my videos on YouTube. And um, I was always a little embarrassed about it. But (laughs) uh, yeah, I mean, they they seem to be interested, you know. But like like I told you, lately I don't bring it up. I kind of just keep it here to myself. And, you know, I I post on Facebook, I post on Instagram. I haven't really done anything on YouTube in a while. So that's kind of, I kind of just like, I just kind of like building them now, really just building and painting yeah. them. That's, that's initially what it was for me. That's all it meant. You know, speaking of kind of teaching and, and the hobby and everything, your serial ver- videos on the KV one oh, are yeah. still as far as step-by-step building videos go. One of the most amazing, you know, video series out there. A lot of people talk about that. Um, how do you think your passion for learning and teaching maybe informs your modeling, but also how you share that modeling with other people? I don't know. It's an interesting question. I never really looked at it like that. I just, um, I've never been afraid of the camera with the modeling because I've worked with three different people. Yes, I've had three different people film me. And uh, one of them said I, that he was surprised that I, the camera didn't bother me. And, um, and which surprised me because I never really looked at it that way. I just figured I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to show what I was doing to people. And I tried to, um, it's interesting because you got when you're making videos and you're painting a model, you got to think, okay, we got to film this part, this part, and this part, edit it, and then while the guy I was working with would edit it, that would give me the next day to finish all the chipping. For example, just wanted to make it as clear as I could, and I was lucky that the the person working with me who did all the editing had a, a great um, knack for angles and how to edit it in a way where it switched between it would switch between angles on a regular basis. And you can only really do if you if you're filming by yourself. That's hard to do that, and that's why I've been reluctant to do it by myself because it's just when you have a person with you, he's got a bunch of cameras set up, and he knows what he's doing. It it, it just adds so much more to it than when you got a static camera hitting it from one angle. And and again, it comes if I were to you know like people have asked me now to just work on them by myself, work on videos, you know, do something like some, some of these other people are doing right now that have had a lot of success with it. It's just 
that means I have to learn the software. I have to film myself. Then I have to spend time, you know, putting it together, editing it. I got to voice it and, you know, add all the graphics. And again, it's just going to reduce my modeling time. So it's been a, it's been a, you know, this goes through my mind a lot and it's been a hard decision, but I think I'm just, I'm just happy with like what I said, you know, with social media, putting stuff on there. And um, if I could find someone to film with me again during one of the summer breaks or something, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd maybe consider it. If I lived closer, I'd volunteer. But it's, I'm sure you'd be great. I know. I'm sure you'd be great. <laughs> it's a drive uh, from Pittsburgh. Be quite a commune, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, huh? But I, that's kind of where I am right now. And who knows? In a couple months from now, everything could change. But that's how I've been. That's how I feel now. If that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. It does. it definitely does. Well, All obviously, right. your your passion for the hobby is you know doing the hobby itself. Yeah. Um, but but when you were in Spain and, and in Russia, obviously yeah. those were different experiences. A lot different. What did you enjoy about maybe the product development process and interacting with other modelers internationally? Um, well, in Spain, I did a lot of the painting for the box art. And I came up with a lot of the products to run mixed colors. And um, they were, I was lucky. I had a, There was a lot of talented people in there. And um, you know, I, I seemed to fit in pretty good. Uh, the product development... Yeah, I'd always go in there and try to get it all out of the way because, like, with working with Make Productions, we had to have new releases roughly every three months, which um, I agree that's something that certainly did work it, it, and it kept the brand fresh. Uh, I would try to go in there and get all that stuff done first thing in the morning, and then I could spend the afternoon just painting and or you know designing photo etch sets or you know building masters, doing the fun stuff. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. painting, you know, mixing colors, it's not that difficult. It's really not. But it's a product development and investing the money in it. That that's when it got got a little got a little um, stressful at times. Yeah, more of a business kind of a, rather than a hobby. Yeah, but you know, it was cool. I, um, you know, you talked to a lot of different people, and I'd come in in the morning, and you know, I'd open the place up for everybody. I remember I just have a list of stuff that I'd always have a notebook with a date at the top, and the next, next day I turn the page and would put the new date at the top. I got to do all this this morning before I start, you know, doing the stuff I enjoy because it's work and you got to do it. You know, with Wilder, I was I was doing less of that. I was more or less just modeling all day long. You know, Russia was funny. I go out, take a walk around Red Square. You know, I, I, the Russians were, I found them to be really accommodating overall. And, and when they find out you're American, it's just, they don't, they more or less just, what's it like living in America, that type of stuff. It was as interesting as it was for me being there, I guess. And I found that without going too far off topic, I found living in Russia was, they have a lot of pride in their history and, and their military too. And it, that just made sense because so do we as Americans. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see the the I can see the conflict, and I can see where it comes from. And but no one ever treated me bad. I could, the cool thing about that place, you could walk at like two o'clock in the morning, you know, and no, and no one's going to mess with you. That's one thing about I found about living there it was really safe that way. There was, you know, there were other things too that you know I, that were a little hard for me, like a lot of stray dogs, and that I didn't like that. No, it was quite an experience. And the, and the winters were beautiful, cold. And, you know, I went. To, I was lucky enough to see St. Petersburg in um, in the middle of winter. It was, that was an unbelievable experience, and see some of the museums. The museums are just incredible there. And hit the museums if you go over there. It's uh, the money they put into 
the victory over Germany and everything. Nazi Germany is such a big thing to them. And it's just, it's just some incredible stuff to see that way. It was really interesting. I was lucky to, I was lucky to experience it. Awesome. Adam, we, you know, my, my portion, I'd love to talk more about kind of your scale modeling technique. Yeah, sure. And- that's fine. Yeah, I feel like I'm talking too much about my traveling here. No, no, no. That's, <laughs> that, we're, we're getting back to that too. Don't worry. You know, I think <laughs> sure. uh, that's certainly something we want to learn about because you, you right. have that exposure that not a lot of people have. And like you said, people here are curious. How do, how do others, you know, work the hobby in, in those countries? So yeah. we'll get to that in a little bit. It's, it's mm. wild. And I've only had a brief taste of it in Japan. So yeah. Oh yeah. You went over to Shizuoka, huh? So I've never been to the show, but I did some time abroad and, yeah. uh, you know, my wife, she's like, why do you need to go to all these hobby shops? I'm like, cause it's, it's awesome. I mean, I yeah. don't know. I no, can't I, explain it. Yeah. I hear <laughs> you. Know, we, you we hit, hit Yellow the, Submarine? Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It's Yellow awesome Submarine. Yep, I right love there. that place. Oh, it's, yeah, I loved it's another it. one. Spent it's, a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, well, when I first visited there, I bought some stuff and I had to lug it across Asia for two months, but it was well worth yeah. it. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, you know, going back, um, you know, my first exposure to your work was on Missing Links. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Back, back probably 2001 timeframe, I'm guessing. God. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even remember what the, I think I did a, a <laughs> SU100 or something. Yeah, yes, you did. Article. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible. And if you pull, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you pull that up now and it's like, it just shows the, the incredible evolution that you've gone through. You can still pull it up. I'm, we're going to link it on our Facebook page. No, don't do that. <laughs> it gives no, everyone hope. I don't care. Yeah, there you go. Oh. Yeah, whatever. Sure. Yeah. But, it, you know, I remember that one. But more importantly, uh, you know, I obviously Missing Links was the place to go to see your work back then. Oh, Missing Links was the place. It did so much yeah. for the hobby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, yeah. The Titans were there before the before the they titans. were even Titans. I mean, it's like unbelievable. I, I remember when I first got on there, Chris Morosco was kind of the guy at the time. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to do some of the stuff he does, you know? And yeah, you know, he was he was, did some good stuff back then. Oh yeah, yeah. There was you know some of the names there: Mirko, yourself, Ronaldo, yeah, Marco Pyro, uh, yeah, James Blackwell, you know, yep. Miggy Eminem stuff he was putting up there, you know, Sam yeah. Blair. Oh my God! Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the OGs, I call them. You're in there. The too. OGs, the original gangsters, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I that. now, now that was my exposure online. But you know, fast forward a year or two, I remember seeing your first work at Amps in Harvard Grace in that no air conditioning small building in the you know DC. Uh-huh, I love that late venue. spring. What a great venue. It was great. It memories, was another great times. It was another time. Yes, exactly. Before it, was, it got so serious, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, you had Titan, again, the Titans in person. And I remember Zaloga. Yes. Yep. Uh, Douglas Lee came one year. I remember that year. I had a diorama against him that year. <laughs> that was your T-34 diorama, right? The one with the Panther tank? Sure. Yeah. 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 So, you know, my, and I remember those shows and the model that sticks out to me the most is it was in 2003 when you brought Naked Desperation. Oh, that name. What an over-the-top oh, yeah. name, huh? <laughs> the over-the-top name and modeling, yeah. But it's it, it stuck. Sucked. <laughs> it's oh, stuck, man. man. 
It's on the cover. You know, you've got Kamala. you've got me curious now. <laughs> yeah, I know. How do you go wrong with a name like that? Like I couldn't believe uh, David Parker went with that when he published it. I'm like, because sometimes he'll change the names of my stuff, but he kept that one <laughs> out of all of them. You know, <laughs> you know, the one thing that I remember the most about it, it was its finish. It stood. It was alone against everyone else because you brought such an advanced technique to scale modeling to replicate that raw steel. You know, could okay, you yeah. for, for people that aren't familiar with that vehicle, can you give us just a little background and maybe how you approached that finish nearly 20 years ago? Can you still find that anywhere online? Yes. I didn't even put that in my book. So how did I come up with that finish? Um, uh, by then I was already, I was, uh, I was working as like a welder fabricator. So I was working a lot with steel and, um, I, uh, you know, you heard all these rumors about these unpainted T-34s that have been, um, well, they say all, there wasn't much of them that took, that were in Stalingrad. They were sent out onto the field without paint or gun sights or something like that. I don't mm-hmm. remember. Uh, Zalog, Steam Zaloga said I had the wrong turret on it when I met him. He goes, yeah, nice <laughs> model, but you got the, I think that's the wrong variant. I'm like, well, <laughs> all right. But um, <laughs> and he's probably right knowing him. So I just, um, I, I'd seen it done a few times, like in fine scale model or some guy did it. And it's always that, I just remember that if you, if you work with steel, what's beautiful about it is the rust patterns, just they, the sky's the limit. And, you, and every piece of steel you put in something can have a different hue, a different tone of gray, a different rust pattern. Some of them might be clean. Some of them could have dust on it from the welding. Some of them just could be dirty because they've been sitting outside. So you can use that to, and, and I, to break up a model and make every plate have its own, tell its own story. I, as I started doing that, I, I just remember looking at this. I stole some steel, went to, a, went to judge a welding contest for a bunch of high school kids up in northern Maine. And I went out to the back because I was already out of school, but I went out back where the weld shop was, stole a bunch of pieces of steel out of the dumpster. And I, I put a, the pictures of them in that, that article. I scratched up my backdrop, placing them on there, but it was just using the grays and the rust tones and, you know, I was still learning then too, and again, I was—I guess I was—I was lucky with the timing and everything. Starting out with acrylics, the light grays, going over it and blending with the enamels and the rust. You know, I learned a lot of that already from the Spanish modelers when I was over there. It, you know, that was after I came back from Spain for the first time, and it was—it um, was a lot of fun. Um, even using the wheels, making painting them like they were green, like they were on another vehicle before that. I had sculpted a few figures for it, but I didn't like them, so I threw them out. So I never put the figures on the vignette. I never told anyone that. And, and you know, I think it was some, I don't even remember where I got that turret, some ugly resin thing that I yeah, had to really resin. Pick up. It was ugly. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I think I, yeah, I cut up the hull and um, I rebuilt that to get those in- interlocking plates. And someone yeah. asked me, Adam, why don't you just scribe the weld seams? Oh, I, I don't know. I But again, I was new. I was, you know, I was a little insecure and I was trying to find my own way. And uh, that was just the way I went about it. You know, I think I threw some photo etch on there a little bit too. That's when I was still learning how to solder. And uh, I, I, and, you know, then the vignette. And I remember just trying to get the suspension to fit on the vignette. And it's still on one side, it was like a little too low, but no one ever said nothing. And, and so. <laughs> It was, and it, again, it was like we talked about a few, uh, you know, 10 minutes ago. It was just, I was just trying to do something new that was fun for me. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky that it, it just happened to catch on and people, people liked it. And mm-hmm. 
you know, some people did those after, and it, you know, it makes you feel good inside. I think that experience you had actually working with the steel really, really helped that vision oh, of what, yeah. it, you know, you, you had that inspiration that, you know, right in your hands because it, it just looks ter- tremendous. I'm glad you like it. You know, I've done some other stuff with just steel finishes since then. I did this. There's a Tiger II Grilly uh, trumpeter, big, big, yeah. ugly thing, kind of. And I, I personally, I like the steel finish on that one much better because I'm much more experienced by that point. But that T34 you're talking about was like the first one, I, I guess, people saw like that. So I guess it sticks out more in people's minds. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I said, it's it's my favorite model of all time. I now you I, said, I don't believe that. No, I swear I to God, <laughs> I I swear to God, I bought uh, Dragon's STZ T34. Isn't there a fit up problem with that one? Yeah, the whole. Yeah, I heard that. But I know that's too bad. Anyway, I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt you, John. No, no, no. I it's it's just uh, you know I bought it just purely to try to replicate what you've achieved there because it's I find it really yeah. inspiring. You know, I think I was 17 years old when I first saw it. I was like, oh, man. I took a bunch well, of I didn't know you that much younger than me. Yeah, I was, <laughs> Not anymore. I was I'm older now. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> he, actually, he actually drives and votes and everything, Adam. <laughs> oh, he does that stuff? Too. I, I do all that stuff, too. Imagine that. <laughs> well, you know, and the thing is, those techniques are not hard. They're not mm. difficult techniques. You know, mm. anyone can do it. Just, you know, a lot of the, um, there was a modeler said to me who published, published at the time, I think he published more than I have. He says, people only look at the pictures. They don't read the text. And now these days we got YouTube videos. So it's all right there in front of you. But before that, you know, if people just read the text, it's not, mm-hmm. none of these tricks are hard. And if you freak up, you can just go back over them. You can go back and forth with the techniques until you get, what you're looking for, if that makes any sense. If your chipping's too overdone, well, why don't you go back over a little bit with the base coat? And then, you know, you want to be a perfectionist that way. You can't mess up. If You mm-hmm. just got to relax and be creative. No, for sure. And, and maybe just the end of the note on the T34. Yeah. Do you, do you still have it or or is it is it in someone's collection? I gave it to someone as a gift, all right? Because okay. he had done a lot of work with amps. And then I later found out from someone that, he saw it for sale on eBay. Oh so, uh, man! So then, now, listen, it gets better. And then, and I, <laughs> and then there was a, a, I don't know, six months or a year after I heard that, a guy goes, "Yeah, his someone puts a picture on you. Here's my Adam Wilder model. I'm so lucky to have this." And it was that model, that vignette. Oh my gosh! And I just wrote, "Hey, you know." <laughs> You know, hey, that's great. I'm glad you like it. Because you know, he doesn't know. You know, but that was given to someone that's a gift. And he turned around and went on eBay. And like, oh, man. You know, now I, now I don't give them away anymore. I just sell them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's how it is. I wish I, yeah, I wish I still had it. But, you know, so actually, most of the ones I've sold, I, I wish, you know, sometimes I regret selling them because, you know, I, my uh, fiance got me a beautiful display case for Christmas. And mm-hmm. I, I spend a lot of time now looking at the ones I haven't sold and the, like the, the recent ones I've finished. And uh, I, I just, uh, I never realized how nice a display case is. If you, if so, you could sit there when uh, after work, if you just relax having a beer or something, and you, um, you just sit there and look at what you've done. And yeah, I like to do this. And I like to build one of these and have one of those. And, they're really nice. Get display cases, people. Get good ones that display work so you can look at it because that's why we build them. They're for us, right? Exactly. 
That's a pro tip there, kids. <laughs> pro tip, huh? <laughs> somebody built the, somebody bought that pro build model off eBay, man. That was a true. <laughs> well, um, someone uh, there was a Panth that Panther F I did that was on AFE model. I sold that to someone and, and that was on I was going through eBay looking for something else and that was on there too. Um, so I don't know who ended up buying that, but it's just how can you sell those things and ship them around without them getting messed up and broken? It must not be in the same shape anymore, you know. I mean, especially with your builds because you're putting so many, you know, fine details. Oh, on them. I'd man, be, I'd be I'm scared to touch one for crying out loud. Oh man, trying to get those things on planes and stuff, and any modeler who's traveled with their work, mm-hmm. you know, anyone will tell you that it's really stressful and getting them through customs. You know, like in Spain, I travel so much. I go through the airport. They knew who I was. They knew what I had, and they they just stopped bothering. It was a small airport in Pamplona, you know. So that was that was that was nice when that happened. But I've had other people. Like I was trying to, I was I was went to a show in Turkey, and um, the guy insisted on taking them out of the box and picking them up, and I was having oh. fit and to the point where they basically the guy looked at me and says, "Look, I'm an officer. I'm going to touch it if I want to, and you're going to." I'm like, yeah, if I keep going, I'm going to get arrested. And I don't really want to deal with that here. So, you know, but he didn't break anything, but he, you know, it was stressful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, Crazy I, stories. You know what? I just, you just go watch the movie Airplane. Adam, you ever been in a Turkish prison? <laughs> oh, I would have been able to answer that one. Yeah, yeah. So what was the other one? Does Rex ever rub up against your leg? Or so? I forget. <laughs> well, I don't know if we want to. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you 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 go through some of these crazy times. You know, I'll admit this is kind of a you know it's it's been a busy day. I came home, had to mow the lawn today, and. Yeah. And I was really tired, but actually, this is a lot of fun, guys. Thanks for having me on. This is like really oh, cool. It's right. Yeah. You know, it's nostalgic, man. The old times. Yeah. I, we're free tomorrow. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. <laughs> I got to run it by the woman. <laughs> but she's like, oh, you're on a podcast. You're not even nervous about it? I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> we're more nervous. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, I've done this before. It's all right. You know, well, actually, I think this is my first podcast, but, you know, I'm, I've been in front of cameras, so. Get used to it. <laughs> but thanks again, guys. So c- continuing on the theme of, you know, scale modeling back in the good old days. Scale modeling back in the good old days. Yeah. Yeah. Back in Network 54. And Jesus. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was a good buffer for BS. So well, what was another one um, talking about that stuff? I remember like coming home from work and, you know, I was trying to trying to make my own name in the industry and there'd be a lot of emails with questions. So before... You know, I work at Make Productions all day, and then I'd, I'd always walk home because the part of Northern Spain, and I'd take this back trail home and through this this hilly area. It was really beautiful, and uh, so I'd, I'd walk home. It just kind of be like a you know some stress, you know, relieve some stress before I got to the trail. You know, I'd stop at you know stop at uh, one of the little tapa bars, get a beer and something to eat, and get back. And I just remember like. You know, just I'd spend the first, you know, I, I had stuff I did at McProductions and I, I had stuff I was working on it by myself at home. But before I got home, I had all, all these emails from being on that, was it Network 54, that Missing Links thing? Yep. And that's what I did for the first hours, just responding to emails and just thinking again, I was lucky that people were that interested in what I was doing. And, you know, I was working for a company, so I, I figured it helped the company a little bit too. So that was like the first part. And, yeah, you met. A, yeah, you meet a lot. I, the problem is, I'm not good with names. 
you know, I met a lot of different people and you know, you go on every morning when you get up, what's new, you know, you know, Mike Rinaldi got something new on there or, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of these other guys that I was, you know, following at the time who I liked. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was, you know, there's, there'd be some back and forth on there too, but I never got involved with them because I didn't have the time. I just didn't want to, mm-hmm. I just didn't want to open myself up that way. Mm-hmm. But overall it was pretty positive and, you know, some of the stuff I wanted to put up there went over really well. Other stuff, you know, didn't go over well and you learn as you go. I put up stuff on there that I thought was going to go over great, and um, I got it pretty hard with the critiques, and I put those other stuff I was afraid to put up there, and it went over better than some of the other stuff I put up there altogether. So it it just it comes with experience. You know, putting stuff up on the web, social media, hearing people's feedbacks, and you kind of form your own style by you know hearing what other people say. You know, positive feedback is just great. And and that really helped at first. Like when I was younger, and my you know I was still dealing with my ego. You know I had my ego in the early days. Sure, you know you feel like you screwed up, but as you know, I've been looking back on it. Boy, you know I learned so much from that, and it's it's helped me become who I am now. Yeah, those are fun times, and you know compliment people's works. Yeah, it is kind of nostalgic to go back to all that, huh? A lot of it's still there, is it? They've they've gone to Tapa Talk, but it does have a good search function finally, and yeah. it. Yeah, you can find your old work. The one thing that might not show up is photographs because if they were hosted on like uh, Photo Bucket, they might be gone. But that's where all my stuff was. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the comments are all there, and it's it's crazy. You can look back. We, we've talked about that with some other guests. Um, yeah, just it was like the place back in the early two thousands. You couldn't find it anywhere else, um, and and I don't think social media can replicate some of those interactions. It is a different type of um it is a different type of interaction like you said i mean when then facebook started coming in i remember all that and that seems to be the place now or, or instagram's another one too you know i have a i have more followers on instagram than i do on facebook but it, it just but i don't really talk much on there i just f- put photographs up and you know if i do comment on people's work i keep it to in one or two sentences i, I just don't have the time but I, I do watch and I try to, if someone does something up that's inspirational, I tell them, you know, him or her, I try to make it clear to them that, you know, wow, you know, that's great. That's, that, that makes me think on what I want to do next. And, and, and I like that a lot. That, that's, that, that's when, that's when it gets fun. It's when you, you know, you see something new that makes you look at it a little differently. Yeah, for sure. So one of the things I'd love to ask you about, I think we can all agree that your finishes are some of the most well executed and, and complex for that matter in well, scale you. modeling. Okay. Can you talk about, you know, what, it, what it takes to achieve that in terms of, you know, time? Um, I, I don't think we can really appreciate what you do uh, without understanding kind of your commitment towards a project. And maybe the tortoise is a good example and the work you did to achieve those shell hits and just the complexity within it. All right, the tortoise. I loved it because it's just so big and it was fresh. Uh, I'd, I'd seen one or two people do it, but it was really just out of the box. I love, I love Meng. I love their models. You know, you know, we love Trumpeter for their subjects. We like Tamaya. They've been off so long. There's something very special about them too. But there's something about Meng's models that I, I really enjoy. When I first saw that kit. I, I was just blown away by how big it was holding it in my hand. I think I was at a show in Belgium. I was at like scale model challenge or something. One of the models I knew had that kit. So he let me look at it. So I ended up buying it. I didn't know what to do with it. 
So, all right, how do I make this interesting? Well, how, what do I do? So one, I knew that, all right, let's, let's cut it all up and add the photo etch. Um, and let's add the, you know, let's make copper, let's take copper and replace all the toolboxes and fenders. It will, that will give us a way to present it differently. Like the Stalin three we were talking about earlier. Okay. I can present it differently. But now it's like, all right, well, how do I paint it? I wanted to do something. I didn't want it just to be a painted model. I, I, I wanted to do something that was, um, I just wanted to take a chance and I just added all those impacts in that one area. And I didn't know people were going to dislike it or like it. Looking back on it um, now, I'm I'm happy with it. Just a side note, I've noticed like whenever I finish something and you've been focusing on it for so long, so many months, you're sick of it. And you look at the photos and all you can do is pick it apart. You don't even want to post nothing. And then I've found, you know, if I just put it away or just don't look at the photos for a couple of three or four days, a week, two weeks. Look at it again when you're when you're fresh and you're you had time to relax, and that's when you can really judge your work. And that one's one of the ones I like to look at that I did and say, "Hey, I did that." It took a yeah, it took a long time. It probably to build it and paint it. And this is again working full time as a teacher, and it probably took me almost a, it probably took me almost a year. And again, it's just so big and all those impacts and trying to get the, not just where the impacts hit, but where the fragments scratch the paint and everything. That was a lot of fun for me doing that. I, I spent weeks just in that, you know, with the Optivizer, just in that small part of the tank. And I'm happy with how, how it came out. And I was lucky, um, I, you know, I had Yvonne Cocker paint me up these really nice figures for it. And I had four initially. And I said, well, toward the end, the last minute, I, I had him, you know, I, I pay him for his work. And uh, I said, here, here's some more money. Give me, a, can you, I want five on here. And so I want to do it. it. You know, and I decided to make it Soviet because I knew no one was going to do that. And I, I, I've always been fascinated with this, you know, uh, communist Russia during those, during that era. There was something else I was going to put on. I think I was going to add some, some of that screen armor to it, but I didn't. I, I figured it'd just be too much. I figured, and that's the thing too, when you're doing stuff like this, you know, when is it too much? When do you, when do you put so much on it that it takes away from the actual subject itself? I, so I just decided keep it with the impacts, let the impacts break it up, make it a little different, along with what you did with the with the the stuff you scratch out from the copper and the weathering, and leave it at that. That was all weather with the Aqualine stuff and uh, you know the track. So I just the the scary part to that whole damn thing was I had to weather it with the running gear and the sides separate, and it was just trying to pull off all the masks and glue that running gear together and then get the tracks on and then put the outer sides on, not knowing if it was going to work or not. And it just unlucky. It all just came together. That was stressful. But, it, you know, th- that's good you know, modeling. You want to, you got to take some chances sometimes. That idea to make it Russian is genius. That that's the tortoise is definitely <laughs> yeah, a machine that the Russians would have loved to get their hands on. Yeah, I know, huh? Big gas guzzling. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. I've had a hankering to do a KV two again. You know how unoriginal, but just to have it for the collection without going off topic. But that you know, and, you know, putting the stripe around it and all the different chipping effects on the you know on the white, along with the chipping effects on the uh, the camouflage and on the green. Uh, did I answer that question or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, you nailed it, man. <laughs> All right.
I mean, just knowing that, you know, one model for an entire year, that that just shows the level of dedication it takes in some instances to achieve these types of finishes. Yeah. And see, the thing is with people like that, they don't have that type of time and they don't want to devote that time. So, you know, it all depends on what you're looking for. You know, I, I if I could do them quicker, I would. And I, I again, I thought maybe after this, um, this one I'm doing now, this, this object, I try to tackle some more easier subjects that are you know, a little less time consuming. <laughs> the uh, Panzer IV hybrid with the small term looks pretty sweet. Oh yeah, that thing. Um, that's yeah, that's my that's another shelfie. I gotta, I want to finish up, and I got some ideas for that too. I think I'm just gonna go back to the old color modulation on that one. I think the yeah. next one, the next Soviet one, I gotta do too. I'm um, same thing. I'm just gonna go back to the color modulation just to see if I can still do it the way I used to be able to. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you can. It's like riding a bicycle, man. You got it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like that's why I say, say to my students about uh, some of the welding techniques. You know, it's a pain in the ass. You're having a hard time. You're getting frustrated. You know, the high school kids. But I mean, once you get it, no one can take it from you. You'll always have yeah. it. And if you're yeah. in a bind, you need money. It's not a bad trade. So, con- continuing on that, we talk about your complex finishes. Sure. M- maybe, maybe discuss. You know, for for people like myself, I don't even know if I could achieve something like that because you're so dedicated and and I would say disciplined on a project. What keeps you motivated, like throughout that tortoise build? To to you know, to you know keep what a going? lot of it is. You know, what a lot of it is honestly is just being staying being part of the modeling community, having something new to put up, get involved in discussions. You know, that's a lot of it. Like I've, I was, I went through a phase. Where I was playing. I was doing a lot of online game, and I was playing World of Tanks a lot. I just, I got to this point where it's like, you know, I'm not really. What's my stats are average. You know, why am I wasting my time with this? I get nothing from it after. So I just, I, I stopped that months ago, and I just do modeling now in my spare time. You know, I, I'm lucky. I, I work with. I have a great group of colleagues that work, supportive teachers, and. uh you know, the students the past years have been great, but this is like a whole nother part of my life that I'm also really lucky to have. And I got enough people who follow me. I can put some up there, it'll generate discussion. And again, I'm, I'm just, I'm fortunate to have that. Found something I'm kind of good at. And I can, it's, that's fun for me at the same time. It's a, it's a good thing. So for our audience out there, kind of good means like master to all the rest of us. <laughs> Just, uh, these guys are nice. <laughs> I got kind of good at it, you know, kind of. Well, I'm, I am lucky though to have something like that. It's fun, you know, and, and, and you know, I, you guys asked me to be on here and I think that's great too, you know. So I, again, I appreciate it. And this is a lot of fun. It's kind of nostalgic. Oh, we're having a blast. Yeah. yeah, yeah me too, yeah. man. Yeah. It's good. I, I'm telling you, if we could re- turn back time, I would go back to early 2000 amp shows in Harvard Grace. That was oh my god, the pinnacle, wasn't that the time? The huh? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was unbelievable. What a facility! You know, the vendor yeah. room and all the stuff. All the that's when you waste your money on those resin kits that never fit together. But you're still oh, yeah. excited, hoping that <laughs> one kit's going to fit together. Oh, Cromwell! Yeah, I got it. I still got some of those. Of course, you can get oh, them all man. now in plastic. I got my first Panther F. I got through Cromwell. I'm going to put this thing together someday. I want to do this. I got a great idea for that. And, uh, and then DML released this beautiful kit. I'm like, yeah, in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I think Ryfield's coming out with a new Panther F that just even looks better. Yeah, it looks it's- awesome. Yeah, that looks awesome. Yeah, that that and it's funny too. They all got that funny aircraft, anti aircraft armor on the top of the turret. That 
that everyone's it's that that model's been done so many times now that I think in the end they won't even know who the real author is anymore, and I don't care. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's a, it was you know it was it was a fun model. That was a beautiful kit, and mm-hmm. I know I love that. I love that turret. You know, I mean, you're building it again, so you you. I mean, it just that's my third show. one. Yeah, I've done it yeah. on that Panther F, the E50, and uh, yeah, now this one. I was thinking at the end, like, what else can I put this thing on? Just to yeah, say I've done all this stuff, but of course I've sold the other two models, so I only got this one. So. Yeah, that Panther F was that one of your first to do color modulation? Uh, no, it wasn't. But that's when it all came together. That's when I yeah. kind of did it enough to know. Like when I first started doing it, it wasn't enough. Once you weathered it, you didn't see it anymore. And that right. one, even that one, looking at that, we could barely see it. It's very subtle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was a it, it was a Panzer four I did after that where I really tried to push it. People didn't seem to like that one as much, but I loved it. I, I still love yep. that model. So yeah, I did that. You know, <laughs> I think that. Um, and again, I. I should maybe try to get back into some of those subjects again soon. Just it was, it's just fun. Color modulation is great because like um, you can use the tones just to break the model up, and you can make yeah. take a one model without a camouflage and still make it look awesome. And but you can still weather it too without the camouflage breaking up the weathering. You know? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I have uh, the uh, new uh, border. Yeah, I model. got that. Yeah, I got that. T- yeah, the T34E, and yeah. I have it. It's lined up for color modulation because it, looks it just awesome. screams it. Yeah. yeah, and all those different plates. That is, that's a great subject for that. Yeah, that's yeah. really one to. I know I I got that too, and I, I was looking at it a while back. I'm like, part of me just wants to build it the regular the regular 42 variant with all all that add on armor. But yeah, yeah. But still, I, got, that's a I need cool to get another kit. one. It's so yeah. good. No, it looks awesome. Yeah, the base kit we've talked about it a little bit. Base kit's okay. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, the base kit's really good. It's some of the add-on armor for the turret. It's uh, a little wonky with the fit, but uh, I mean, for someone like you, it's no problem. But it's yeah, well, <laughs> it's, I it's don't know. it just screams your kind of technique with modulation. And I plan on watching the KV series again to walk me through it. A lot of the products, you know, I used on that. You know, I'm not with my with Wilder anymore, but and they're hard to find. But it's just you know, it's an animal products. You know, mm-hmm. you can you, you know, like I still use a lot of Humbrol. I love Humbrol. Yeah. There's still a few testers colors I like, believe it or not. You know, those yeah. classic. Tester silver is still really good. Oh, that's the go-to. I bought three bottles of that bottles of that off Amazon a couple about a month ago just to have it. You know, it's mm-hmm. great for lights and uh it's yeah. great for you know shiny steel finishes on uh metal road wheels. It, you know, it's just yeah, I know I got, I got <laughs> right at my right desk. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got I know I don't got when I put this camera down and show you guys my modeling desk, but it's a mess and I'll be embarrassed. Tamaya Buff's another one, you know. Yep. Same with Vallejo. This is another one. Pale sand. I use that for everything. You know, I mix it with everything. Pale sand, Vallejo, you know. Nat 72, it's like a rust color from Humbrol. I use that for everything. In fact, okay. I need some new tins of that too. I'm running out of that. <laughs> Like you said, there's some modeling products that no matter what new thing comes out, you always kind of, you know, go back to your tried and true. Oh, sure. Because you you know how it works and you're used to it and you know, and you're you're confident with it. Because like, you know, we all have full-time jobs here and you don't have a lot of time. So you want to use what you know how to use. So you just don't waste your time and mess it up and have to go back and fix it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I'm talking too much. (laughs) Well, that's why you're here. <laughs> we, want you, we want you to talk a lot. <laughs> we kind of already touched on a lot of the things that um, I was going to ask you about. Sure. So 
you've written a lot of books and been featured in a number of publications. I own a handful of them myself. Oh, cool. Uh, Adam's Armor is fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Both the, the build, as that's, that's one thing I've been trying to up my personal game on is getting better at building and sure. complex. Your book has been invaluable to me. Well, like, I appreciate I, I it. Yeah. Can't understate that. Cool. Is there a possibility? Is there going to be more books? Down the road, sure. Yes. All right. Just leave it at that. Um, because that, um, that's, the, that's the answer I, I wanted to hear. <laughs> in fact, I'll probably be doing. Look, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he says, I, because I was talking about the dilemma I had with starting, uh, you know, doing YouTube stuff. And he says, Adam, just continue to do the books. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? And I'm not asking you the question. Um, is there still an interest out there for books? But because you look at what yeah, people now are doing yes. on YouTube, there yes. is. I, yes. I know all, all of us, and then some of the some of the other guys that that we talk with that are modelers. Aaron, but I think John knows him really well. Aaron is this guy. Aaron, you may even know. You might have met him before. I don't know. Aaron Aaron Cook. He goes by. He was AK Armor on um, Facebook. Now I, he goes I, by I, Aaron Cook. I know who he. Yeah. I know who yeah. he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he he loves books, and I've I've also always liked books. And after talking to him, he's made me like books even more. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I mean, you probably can't see it, but I have a bookshelf all the way back there. And the, the top one is all mostly modeling books. Awesome. Um, so yes, I can tell you that there is still. Right, well, good. Cause that's, I think that's just what I'm going to do. It's just, it's just easy for me to do it that way. And, and when he told me this the other day, he's like, yeah, I'm just do books and people like it. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll have to ask around about that because again, I, you know, I'm at a point too where I'm not really sure what I'm going to do next either. I mean, I'm still going to be involved. You know, it's like when I said I was leaving the company, well, good luck on your new adventures. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still right here. You know, if anything, I'll have more time for it, you know? Yeah. So that, and that was, you know, that's some of the reason I left it, you know, so I just wanted more time to just do models and stuff. I didn't want to deal with all the other stuff. Yeah. Well, thanks for letting me know that. That makes you feel a little better. And I, yeah, I'll let you know what's going on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Adam? Do you like movies about gladiators? <laughs> I'm sorry. Another airplane quote. Um, no, no, I'm trying to, it's been a while since I've watched that. I'm trying to come back at you here and I'm having trouble remembering some of the, um, well, you could accuse me of being Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but you'd be way off. You remind me of the, you remind me of the math teacher that I'm in the teacher's union with. <laughs> he got that same sense of humor and everything. Well, let's talk about um, you've you've talked a little bit about your travels and, sure. and being in other countries and stuff. Talk about modeling in those countries, so like okay. the, the how modeling is for uh, say Russians. How how did they are? Is there a big market for modeling there? Um, yeah. What do they like to model? Um, tell us a little bit a little well, bit about that. Well, the Russians, um, there's a, especially if you go over, you go around some of the if you leave Moscow and go to some of the smaller towns outside of Moscow. It's a younger crowd that I found. Like in America, it's become more of an older crowd. Where in Russia, you still got a lot of kids coming into it, and they're very quiet. It's all you know. Modelers are kind of their own group. They they're very patriotic about you know like over there. If you if you were in the military and you 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 know you commanded a tank or something, it's like a it's like a big honor. You know, a lot of T thirty fours, a lot of stuff like that. A lot of the modern stuff. And I found like again the Russian models altogether are pretty quiet. And when they find out you're an American, you know, one, if they can't speak English, they try to find a translator. So I'm always talking be- between uh, someone who, a Russian who can speak English and Russian and trying to answer questions. And, you know, I, one guy I met over there, little 
older than me. His, I think his, his, we both had uncles that were in Vietnam. His uncle flew a MiG fighter and my uncle was, um, if I remember, he like, um, he was in charge of, um, like a platoon and he was injured. But that was interesting, like talking about like, some of the stories his uncle told him. And, you know, my uncle didn't talk about it much, but, but the little stories he did tell me, I was able to talk with him about it. And I thought that was interesting. It, you know, they always got, you know, the big shows, you'll see military vehicles there. And that, you know, I always like that. It, it's not, I mean, the shows, like the shows in Europe that I've been to, Scale Model Challenge, or um, I think of another one, AMT Torrent. You remember Euro Military back in the day? It's always so well lit, and the facilities are really nice. And, and there's just there's a sense of class to it in Europe that I hadn't seen in other countries. With just how the facilities, just the venues, were set up, it was it was really something. So I mean, those the, the European shows are always the, in, the you know the really competitive, interesting ones to hit. You know, and then, and then there was Japan, but that was a long time ago. Now I don't even God, I was. I don't even remember how old I was. I must have been 28 when I went over there. Way back, way back. The same thing. How can I explain it? I'm feeling kind of small a little bit. First time I went to Japan, I, first day I got there, I was really dealing with, uh, what's it called when you're, uh, not travel shock, what do they call that? Culture shock. Um, culture shock. Boy, I, I, just, I, just, I just wanted to break down, start crying, you know? Um, and they were treating me really nice, and it was a really beautiful area I was in, but it was just, it took me a while to get used to it. I think I was just tired because you're dealing with this, um, you're dealing with such a different, um, you know, it's such a time difference. You know, it's like when I went to China, those, those times too, over there, you're dealing with, what is it, 12-hour time difference. You know, it's, it just weighs on you. And uh, of course, Japan was, you know, Shizoka was really something. Uh, what I remember the most about Japan was, you know, like Yellow Submarine, the hobby shops, and, you know, being in Tokyo at night. Especially in the new, what do they call it, the camera district or something? Does that Akihabara sound? Tech Town? Yeah, walking through that at night, and you know, oh, Shizuoka yeah. was great too. Uh, you know, it was, it was a really good show. They don't compete over there. You knew that, right? They just display, which I think is great. It takes some of the sometimes taking the competitiveness out of it. Sometimes that's a good thing too. You know, the shows in Spain were nice. Um, you know, I miss Harvard de Grasse, like you said. That was a beautiful show here. And if you can, all I could say is you can get over some of these different shows in different parts of the world. Now that we're finally seems like this coronavirus thing is starting to kind of come down a bit. You just got to go to them. You know, Scale Model Challenge is one to hit. That's a great one. You know, AMT is a great one. Great venue. You know, it's always sunny and warm. Um, you know, Shizuoka, go there to experience that too. I, I just remember thinking when I was there, like, man, if I get lost here, no one's ever going to find me again. You know, <laughs> I didn't know any Japanese. And I remember feeling so underdressed. And after that, I was really careful. Like, okay, if I'm going to, going to some other country, I'm going to dress for it. You know, it's like when I went to China, I wore a red shirt the day of the show and you know, I put some thought into that. And China was great. Um, that was a, that was a, a big, you know, going there, they got the music blaring. You know, it was big, like a uh, big arena. They they really did. China's a really impressive country too to go to. That that was another one where I felt kind of small. But it was, you know, I think I've been there twice now. And you know, there's this show I went to in M- Malaysia like a year ago, and you know, people were really nice. And I was lucky; I was able to see all this stuff. You know, when I was still pretty young, and I could do it. And a lot of it, I think, too, is 
when you, if you're a good musician or if you're just a good modeler or if you're a good writer, a lot of it's timing, I think. When you come up, who's around you, who you're influenced by, I think that plays a big part of it too. Because if I were to come into the game now, would I still be able to do everything I did? Probably not. You know, I came in, at, I think I came in at a good time. I was lucky that way, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Well, t- speaking about shows, uh, is there any chance that we're going to see you maybe at IPMS Nationals in Las Vegas? That's in Vegas, huh? Oh, Catherine would love that. Um, I was just in Vegas a couple of years ago, too. I don't know. I took, I, uh, after Malaysia, I just, I wanted to take a break from the shows for a while. There, there's an amp show coming up in the down south is um i think it's georgia is it Georgia? In, yeah they i've been invited to they've asked if i'm going to that and i i don't think i'm going to i think i think when summer gets here i'm gonna just try to finish some projects i got going with modeling and, and just focus on that you know i'm I'm lucky that you know i still got people inviting me, me to these different events because they're always a lot of fun at the ipms i don't think i'm going to be hitting this one but down the road, sure, you know, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hit one of those shows again. Those are always really re- well run too. The venues are really nice, and they set them up well. Yeah, I know those are those are always really nice. They do a good job putting those together. Those, those are shows to hit too. I remember recent show for you. In addition to Ontario and seeing you there, I remember your work at World Expo in 2017. That was Chicago, honestly. right? Chicago, yep, exactly. Yeah, I remember that. That was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was. Uh, I went down there uh, with Sean Lynch, uh, tank builder Sean okay. Lynch. Yeah, great, yeah, great, yeah. great guy. Great guy. Yeah, that was a that was a nice show. Um, there was some really good stuff there, and you were there. Yep, I was there. It was really busy. I went. Uh, I went with my wife. That was her birthday weekend, so I couldn't spend too much time at the show. Um, but you know, that's true love. If we can, you know, go to a modeling show yeah, on her she birthday can, like, weekend. Yeah. I don't know how Catherine would be about, yeah. She's like, oh, we're going to go on vacation. You know, I don't want to go to those shows. I'm like, well, we'll just work it out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, you trade, I, you know, I traded kinky boots for Bovington when I went on my honeymoon. So, um, it's, uh, you know, it's give and take, but no, it's all good. It, it is a lot of give and take. Yep, it is. But it is good. You're right. It's a good thing having someone in your life and being lucky enough to have that, you know. Yeah, and and it's it's interesting cuz you know, I'm sure, you know, your significant other when when they just hear about it, they, you know, when you t- you teach them about it, you know, they become it's like, wow, this is this is more than just toys, I guess. I could say. Oh yeah, she likes looking at the like when I take new photos, I you know, yeah. I got a pretty big monitor here. You know, I take the high-res images, you know, sharpen them up. Mm-hmm. and adjust the light, you know, you know, correct the lighting and put them up. And, you know, yeah, she likes to look at it. Like she likes, um, like, you know, she thought these were really cute for some reason, these little chairs. Oh, the chairs, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, she thought, oh, that's so cute. You need to get a dog or a cat curled up on one of them. I've had, yeah, I, uh, the first T34, I ever got a gold medal with it, amps, advanced, the advanced category. Mm-hmm. Had a cat and cat chewed up the gun on it, you know. Like, ah, oh, man. But you know, I love the cat, so the model it was done, and you know, I'd already entered it, and that that was, oh yeah, pets, you know. Oh yeah, I've had cats jump up onto the shelf in the apartments where I had it, all my models lined up, and didn't break any of it. But boy, that was a panic moment, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I am a cat guy, no doubt about it. <laughs> You're not alone here. Yeah, I know. TJ. Someone's got a cat. I saw that. Yeah, I got that, a black yeah. cat running around the background. 
<laughs> you might have even heard him. He's been meowing. Uh, he's he's attached to my younger daughter, and she's not home right now. So okay, he wanders around the house and cries because she's not here. It's <laughs> it's kind of annoying. It's cute, but it's also kind of annoying. Yeah, yeah, I know. I um, my cat just the cat I got. I found him on the streets in Spain. He just passed away. He was kind of an end of an era. You know, he was sixteen and uh, just, just great cat. You know, yeah, it was hard. Yeah, sorry. Adam, any any subjects that interest you in the future, maybe outside of armor? Um, yeah, I do like some of the sci-fi. Like, you know, I've, I've always liked some of the Star Wars stuff. Uh, um, I do like, I kind of like just the robots um, when I, you know, but every time I tell myself I'm going to do that, I get pulled back in the armor model because someone's asked me to do some an article or do some project. So I just say, just pull me back in. So I, yeah, Al Pacino. Yeah, so, you know, they, they pull me back into that, and you know, I've, I've been doing it for so long. Like, well, you know, I'll make it look good, and you know, I'm confident. So, you know, I, I'll just, I always just come back to the armor, and that's all. I'll, it's all. It's always going to be that way. I'm going to have to go back to school too, and you know, it's going to be a time where I have even less time for it. So I need to focus, you know, just on what I'm good at and what I like and what I'm known for. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'll I'll continue with another question that yeah, we love sure. to ask a lot of people, and you know it, it's it's maybe a little funny because you have played an artist in a video. Oh my god! But- those <laughs> what is the night vision? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, one, man. Of the, one of the ones where you talk about, I think it's one of your. What, it was what about color modulation? Maybe, and you're dressed up as an artist around a candle. Yeah, that so. was <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that one was okay. But the first okay. one I did when I'm running in that supposed battlefield, which was nothing but a construction site. Oh, I don't know you, if I've you remember seen that, that one. one? That was the I've first one. That. that was on the pigments. Okay, that one. Digging. That was really scary because when you when you kind of it sounds stupid, and it was just such a small little character and a small little part. But I remember thinking, you got to let go of all your insecurities because you know you think of the people you knew when you were younger you know you like wonder who's gonna watch this and, and you know they know who i am you know they know all my <laughs> flaws and insecurities and they see me playing that character on there coming off as this kind of this you know this whack job <laughs> and that was I'm like all right just swallow all that and you know yes they're gonna watch it but don't let it bother you just just go ahead and play the part do your job yeah and it, it was i and i can't find anything i can't find it on youtube because I wanted to show my uh, my fiance that because again she studied film like yeah I played this part you got to see this so I can't find it you know I'm looking on <laughs> and I, you know I don't think I have anything that plays those those um those 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 old discs anymore I don't even know if I have one you know I don't I might I might have one I got another old display case downstairs that has older stuff and people you know I've given to me in my travels you know and stuff I got in Russia and stuff people gave me in Spain I may have it in there. So I also have like you know resin kits that I worked on that were released. I keep a I kept a copy of those kits. Just you know, just uh, you know, sometimes when you want to go down memory lane, you go down and you look at all that stuff, you know. But yeah, that that was the scarier one. The pigment one was a lot easier. That was fun. Again, I was working with some good people. I had a good crew of people around me that really helped me out. You know, I did my part and they all did their part, and it just came out. That was a those some fun times working there and stuff and. I was a lot younger, you know, less less worries, you know, less responsibility, you know, had more time to just live that life and live live in another country like that. That was really cool. It wasn't always easier. Some awkward moments too. 
like when you're in a bank and you're trying to speak Spanish and you're talking about <laughs> money. That's when it got stressful. <laughs> when, no, it got really awkward at times. Uh, you can laugh about it now, but back then, no. I feel like I made an idiot out of myself. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> it was an experience, you know? You know, maybe – so we like to – as mentioned, we always like to ask our guests, do you consider scale modeling art? Sure it is. Yeah. It's a way of being creative. Why not? Yeah. I, I, why not? Um, you know, I played, I played guitar for a while. I wasn't very good at it, but it, it's, a, it's just another way of being creative. Yeah, sure. I mean, someone said, you know, are you a professional painter? Someone asked me that once. I, I said, you know, sit there and, and paint some of these classic type paintings or even paint the interior of a house. I don't know if I could do that well, because that's just not what I've homed in my, my skills on. You know, where this, you know, I, I've spent you know, I'm, I, I've been doing it a long time. I've read a lot of articles. You know, uh, it's not just if you want to get to a level where you, you're teaching people. A lot of it is you got to take the time to to read other people's stuff too. And even when you're when you get good at it and you see something out there and someone does it better than you, you know, read it. How they do it, you know, and, and learn from it. And that that's yeah, of course, I call this an art. But I, as being a professional painter, no, I don't think so. Does that make sense? No, completely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So kind of going off of that, you mentioned reading something and kind of being inspired. Who yep. would you, uh, you know, who, who inspires you today in scale modeling? Who inspires me today? That's a good question. Um, I love Uncle Night Shift, um, and he's a great guy. Um, I think he'd be a good guy, one for you guys to have on here. We we did. We had him on. He was awesome. Yeah, he is. He's a he's a and he's a funny guy. I like watching his stuff. And uh in the you know, in the early days he did a lot to to help um my company too. He you know, he really supported me. And, you know, I, I enjoy his work. You know, a lot of the guys I kinda came up with who inspired me, I haven't seen anything from them lately, you know? I don't see you know, I just don't see anything from them anymore. They're just doing other stuff or they have companies or or you know, and there's been a lot of a lot of models that you could tell they, they, they're still kind of beginners and they're learning, okay? And there's still some improvement, but they'll, they'll touch in on a subject. Hey, you know, that's a great idea. You know, how can I take that and build upon it? You know, I, I do a lot of that too. Um, you know, looking at stuff, what can I – or it's, that's what I used to do at the hobby shows. I'd look at models that I've always wanted to build that never had the time that people had entered. And I just look at them, I mean, what can I do with this? What would I do with this if, if I had this? Yeah, as far as inspirational stuff, uh, you know, I, I try to look at subject matter or if something's put up there that's really nice. Someone put up a really cool rear-mounted turret in uh, IS-2. Had a really cool camouflage on it. Uh, it was like blue, yellow, and so it's just I'm like, that's that. You know, I don't know if I'll ever do anything like that, but boy, I, I love the subject. It was one of my favorite models from last year, and that was great. You know, that, that was interesting. Yeah. So maybe picking up off of this and maybe turning back the clock, who who were some of those figures that inspired you back in the early 2000s? Um, when I was really young, I was I really liked Steve Zaloga because he was the only one that was doing that Soviet armor that was doing it well. Back then, there was a lot of great German armor models. He's got, you know, there's, you know, Tony Greenland. Tony Greenland. Yep. You know, he's one of my big, big, big ones. And uh, I loved... I loved his work and I, I based my whole technique on his kind of what he was doing 
but then there was a Loga who I he I like the subjects he did coming up through you know uh, James Blackwell and the early stuff he did you know Mig Yemenez stuff he did you know I really liked his photography that was I remember picking his brain about the photography he really helped me with that you know there was a lot of the stuff on missing links a lot of the names you were talking about earlier you know that that really just the stuff I look at now just brings me back. The E50 that Tony Greenland did, um, he, I think he did that dreaded Cromwell kit. He yes, made he it did. Look yes. Like he did. Uh, With the ambush God. scheme. Yeah, he's um, he's got something special. If he can take that kit and make something like that with it. Yeah, yeah. That, I remember that. That ambush scheme. And I, I remember saying, I want to build one of those. I want, I want to do that. That's when I started really getting into that theoretical German armor. Mm-hmm. And, and these theoretical subjects. I mean, I've been thinking about it for you know since my teens. It's just I thought yeah. it was a whole another avenue you could go down and right. do fresh stuff that I'd never seen and maybe other people hadn't seen. And uh, that book he did that was that pants modeling masterclass. Yes, I remember yes. sitting up. I remember sitting up at a Denny's restaurant one night, all night, just reading that that book uh, up until I don't know how it's like four in the morning. You know, just sitting there at a Denny's. Oh, you know? the. You know that that Panther Tui has in it with the hex, like uh, where the uh, like the the weird the, ambush. Circles. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah I love that. And I the, love that. And that that olive. What a what and- a beautiful finish on that, and the beautiful. Oh. He, he didn't get into the weathering and it, but he didn't have mm-hmm. to. He was showing off the vehicles. Yes, he was showing yeah. off the vehicles, and uh, you know my early stuff. That's what I did. I was you know the Panther F. I was showing off the vehicle. Some of the what's another one I did early on? What was that one that Steyr, that Waffentrager I brought to yes. Euro Militia, that Primer the, Red uh, one? The red the Cromwell. With the, uh, the Cro- yeah, so it was with the no, uh, no, Panzer Grey turret, right? Right, and it wasn't Cromwell, it was that German guy Lutz who just passed away a couple years back. Um, that oh, was a yes. new uh, that was the new connection kit. And uh, they put the Fruley tracks in there, and they actually went together. You know, they, I'm like, <laughs> that was that was building pages to show off the vehicle. Where now I'm noticing later stuff I do, I should probably be putting it on vignettes. But boy, if I start adding vignettes to this stuff, then I'm never going to get anything done. You know, <laughs> so it's not. It's trying to just bring them to life, tell a story. It's not just showing off the vehicle anymore. I found my later stuff is trying to tell a story with it, the best I can for what I got. You know, and it is limited with figures and stuff, but that that's what I'm. That's where it's changed. And my weathering I'm found is much heavier than it was. And I like I look at some of the earlier stuff I'm like it's just way too clean. But again, I'm just showing off the model. Right. Where now right. I'm more. It's more the weathering's heavy. And I'm trying to tell a story with it. So, you know, I mean, a good example of that maybe in looking at your evolution. I remember the first T thirty four eighty five you did. Uh, when Berlin? you had it alone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember that one. It, you know, it looked, yeah, and you look, so I have that in my mind, and I remember seeing that in Amps. And then the pea green one. The pea green one. Yeah, exactly. The one that you put in the diorama coming over yeah. the, uh, the, the factory scene. Yes. So yeah. that, I remember the pea green one, and you know, it was it was before you got into color modulation, and then mm-hmm. fast forward to now, and you did yeah. the T3485 with the Mark IV uh, mesh side skirts on it. Oh, I did that and in Moscow. Yep. So you know, looking at your style and the, that evolution, it's it's just it's just much more crazy. weathering. You know, heavier yeah. weathering and uh, exactly. Yeah, that was that's another one I regret selling. Yeah, I, I that's you know, if you go you know as modelers and we go back and look at pictures of our work, that's one I go to a lot and look at 
that one. I really enjoyed that one. That you know, great subject. Love the subject and the photo etch. You know, you know, I've always I've always loved Dave photo etch. It's just I've used it for so long and it goes together so well. Some of the stuff you know, you compare it to Voyager. Voyager, some of the tool clamps and stuff are a little more scale, but there's so much. They're a little more smaller. Aber, they're a little bigger, so they're just a little easier to work with. And in the end, mm-hmm. when the thing's all said and done and together, no one's going to care. No one <laughs> yeah. notices. So I just yeah. find it easier to work with Aber, you know. And, and they're nice people too. They've always provided me with so much stuff to use, and uh, they're, they're nice. And, and it's a good product. I just it's, it seems like it's getting harder to find them because I used to go on eBay. Like um, I still like um, if I have some extra money and I, you know, some of the kits I bought, I'm trying to buy photo etch for them. So when I get to them, I'll have everything I need. And I'm having a hard time finding KV fenders. Yeah. Uh, you can't, you know, I'm just like, you can't find that stuff like you used to on eBay anymore. It's making me a little apprehensive. Now, do you guys notice that too, or is that just me? Yeah. It, between the COVID pandemic, which has really affected supply chain. Yeah. And then also um, it seems like those, Central European countries like Frile and Aber are are all moving. Yeah, they're all moving to like a direct sell model and working with distributors less and less for some reason. I don't know why. No kidding, because like the Aber website is one thing. It's I don't have the patience for it, you know? Oh, yeah. I just don't have the patience for it, you know? The search function's terrible and there's 4,000 items. (laughs) And and it's too bad because they have such a great product, you know? Mm -hmm. It's a great product. You know that that that, that Aber was, I guess that was their dog. They named hmm. it after the dog or something. Oh, I didn't that's, know that. I forgot who told me that. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's that's kind of like the, the the rumor. Interesting. Yeah, Frule Models, another one. This is now this is a new one coming out now. That same thing. They have uh, this is, this is a Chinese company, but I haven't yeah. tried it yet. Sunshin. It might be. I got I got the tortoise tracks, but I, how do those go together? These are gorgeous. These are the uh, these. So for our listeners, I have a set of Easy A Sherman tracks, the steel cleat ones, and I'll just pull one of the brass pins out. But like, they all have brass pins, no drilling. It's it's they're amazing. Are they? How's how's price? Uh, less than rules. They're like thirty five bucks shipped, forty bucks shipped to your front door. And what's the name of it? Um, What is the name of that? Is that our model, John? So there's a couple brands. There's our model, and there's I want to say it's like Shion or Senzian. Or I apologize. I'll send you a link. Yeah. Uh, after this, send me a just throw, send me a link and uh, link. Send me a uh, name in Facebook so I can look for them. Try them out. Yeah. Have you have you tried Master Club tracks? Yeah. Well, they look awful delicate. You know, I met those guys. Um, I when I was in Moscow, I went into their their manufacturing facility. They're, they're nice people. I just with that they look really see I need I weather my tracks really hard. So I need to really I need something that's gonna hold together. Those frule ones, they take they, they put up with it. But what's funny about the frule ones is if you really weather them, you gotta keep bending them as the paint dries, or they're just gonna dry solid. Does that sound familiar? The problem yeah. is as you yeah. keep doing that, every layer of mud you put on it, you, you stretch them out more and more and more and more and more. So when you put them on the, the tank, on the model after, they have these huge sags in them. So you have to take out a link, you know, and, and hope, just hope that it's still going to fit, you know. And that, see, putting on this running, it's always stressful doing running gear, putting that on and making sure the track's going to have the right sag, especially using the Soviet ones with the big return rollers, mm-hmm. you know, the Stalins or the KVs. And it's like, oh, boy, I hope this. All right, I'll take one out. Hopefully I can fit it back together and everything's weathered and you're trying not to touch it and you're, 
cussing mm-hmm. and yeah the t the t34 track is the worst because it's a two-piece track uh, so you've oh got to deal with two links oh. instead of. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm, that's all, I know. Well, the new kits, the the idler wheels, you can you can position them, and that will help. Listen mm-hmm. to this. One time I did one. What was I doing? It was I was in Russia, and I want to. I might have been that T thirty four with the um the mattress armor. That I know it was because of that two part track. But, all right, here's a story. So listen to this. So I, it had too much of a sag in it. It just didn't look right. It was coming down off the front, like square to the ground off the front <laughs> idler. Like, okay, I don't, like, that's not going to go. So like, so I, yeah, I couldn't take one off. So I had to take freaking two off. So then the damn things are too short. So uh. I'm, I'm now, so now I'm in panic mode because you spend months putting these freaking things together and you're stuck on something. So what I did, listen to this. I took them, I took the track and I stretched it. I pulled it. I literally pulled the metal track as a unit and it stretched it just enough and it got it on. So those of you guys out there using those two-part T34 tracks, they don't fit. You, you can, they do get some play. You can stretch them. So that... that Pro tip number two, kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, you then again, that's just doing it a long time and thinking outside the box. And sometimes you really got to do that when you're doing these complex builds. Because I, I weather everything with my wheels separate my track separate so i can get inside and get everything because a mm-hmm. lot of the pictures i take i try to look at it as when i paint something like everyone's most of the people around the world are going to see my stuff in photos that's it they're never going to see the real thing you you I, and i try to think of okay this when you when i put it together what angle is this going to look the best at so you try to you try to fashion your paint and you got special details like impacts or other weathering effects you might be thinking of. You try to put them in the areas where they're going to look best at that angle. So you, because you get that one shot at that one angle, that's always going to be your best shot of the vehicle in itself. Photographs a whole nother topic because um, you can um, output stuff together and it looks great and paint up. And then I take photographs with it and it, like it doesn't look good in the photographs. And I put it up there and obviously other people felt the same way. It didn't quite go over like some of my other stuff. But um, a lot of it is, yeah, you, you're, everything, you know, when you got the old Optivisor on here and you're looking at that thing, you, you're trying to look at how's your macro lens going to pick that up. And you got to think of it that way because I, I like the close-up shots. You know, another tip for people coming into it, I found I get just as much, if not more, attention from the real close-up shots I put on Instagram than I do of the, the whole vehicle. Uh, you know, in front of me, I found people really, for some reason, people really like them close-up shots. I think, yeah. I mean, with all the work that you do with different building materials, copper, brass, and then all your work with weld beads and texture, yep. um, those close-up shots really show those to good effect. Some of the stuff like the weld beads and stuff, um, you know, I love that stuff. You know, I love making the flame cut edges. I love doing the rolled steel you know, texture and that, you know, that little stuff that, you know, one might not think of, but when you shoot in close, a flame cut edge just adds so much life. And it's such a subtle thing and you might not even notice it, but you'll, you'll, you'll pick it up. And it, especially with, you know, like some of the Soviet armor I looked at when I was in Russia, just a flame cut edges, you know, like the pictures I put in the welding chapter of my book, it's like, oh man, you know, some of this stuff was rough and you, and it, here's another funny little story. The first time I went to uh, uh, Maryland for that uh, AMPS, we went to uh, Aberdeen. 
And mm-hmm. that was the first time I saw like actual armor up close. And it was a really big thing for me at the time. I was, I was still in my 20s. There was an IS-3 there. And by then I'd been, you know, I'd studied welding. I'd been in the field doing it for a number of years. And I looked at the front weld on the, on the, you know, if you look at the front, that pike nose where it comes up, you get that weld going down the middle. He's, and I remember thinking they must have had problems with that weld failing. Because I don't think mm-hmm. they knew the problems with you know getting moisture and hydrogen in the welds and cleaning the flame cut edges like they do today, and they understand how important that is. And I and I and then I later read in like a Zaloka book or something that yeah they, they were having troubles with the welds failing. If I remember correctly, in the front of that hull, if I remember correctly, I remember thinking, oh, well, I guess I know my trade pretty well. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that that was a that was a good thing. That was interesting. Yeah. That. That field at Aberdeen, man, that that was another perk of that venue. You just go down the street to see the real thing. How, how many pictures do you think you took there? Thousands. Yeah, me thousands. too. Thousands. Well, I remember the first time I went to Kubinka. That, that Jealous. Was, that was really something. Well, I got there. It was, it was back. It was about 10 years ago. I was still living in Spain. Yeah, it was about 11 years ago. Middle of winter. I mean, we they, they had a outside bathroom there, Soviet-style bathroom. I mean, just <laughs> I don't want to get into it in much detail. But on the inside, the frost off the walls was like this. It was that thick. It was that cold. It was that cold. And I had this camera. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how many pictures I took that day. And listen to this. The guards weren't there. It was so cold. The guards didn't come in. So I got to crawl over all these vehicles. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was really something. And I and that some of them you could have like the I uh, got on the IS7 and the hatches on the top of the turret were you could open them and I'm like, well, I could crawl down in it, but I got nice clothes on and everything was so dusty. And I probably should have did it, but we were going to a restaurant after and uh <laughs> that's the thing in Russia is a lot of nice restaurants and uh, uh but that was really quite a and <laughs> and the, you know, the guys who took me there, they, they were all finally got to a point where they were all freezing. Like, uh, can we go now? We're all a little cold. <laughs> <laughs> and the Russians are telling me this, you know? And uh, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, all right. Let's no. And what it was, we went out to the car. So, oh, I've got to take pictures of that vehicle over there. And the guy, well, just, just, just hold on. It's a, we'll, we'll get it later. It's a little, we're going to get going now. So I'm like, all right, all right. You know, I thought that was funny. That was that was that was the first time I went there. It was like uh, I used one of those places, you know, as a kid, you never think you're going to get to. And then I got there, and it was just a big thing for me. You know, it was really wild. And they got all the you know different hangers. And if you can go there, you know, check it out. You know, I've been there. I don't know four or five times, and I never get sick of it. Oh wow! Yeah, Object Seven Hundred Four and the mouse. Well, I got and- to crawl all over that too, and you know that was funny because when I was there, they had the no, it was the IS Seven. I thought they had destroyed it for some reason. I didn't know because you know they they destroyed a lot of those vehicles. They used it for target, you know, testing guns and stuff. And I remember I looked down at the guy that brought me over. They said this. They they still have this thing. They didn't destroy it. And it was the IS seven. You know, the IS seven is a fascinating tank for me. You know, I got all the goodies to build one of those too someday. You know, whenever I get around to it. It was a great trip. It was you know, and again the cold just added to the whole Russian thing. And it was it was wild. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was totally fitting that it was in a Russian winter as you're crawling all over there. Oh yeah, well the, yeah, it was like. Um, well, then we went to the Artillery Museum in St. Petersburg, and that's why they have those huge, like, tracked atomic guns and stuff. Mm-hmm. That, that was fascinating, too. They had a lot of self-propelled guns, SC-152s, and I wanted to walk around there more, but that that, that was, you know, St. Petersburg in January. It was so cold. I, even I couldn't stand that. Like, I, I, I can't. 
it was, I was really cold. Uh, St. Petersburg was quite a trip. You know, Winter Palace with all the artwork in there. And I just didn't know that Russia had – I think just being from the West, I didn't know Russia had such an art history like they do. And um, it was it was, it was was an eye-opening thing to go over there. And uh, I, I remember feeling like – I remember like feeling a little ignorant before. Like, man, I just didn't realize – this is a lot of parts of Europe I've been in where I'm like, man, I didn't realize all this was here. I feel kind of stupid, you know, not knowing. You know, like first time I went to Hungary and the you know, Mosin's a great show. That's another great show. We talked about shows earlier. Yeah, that's really I feel like that's turned into the the new kind of Euro military or the show to go to in Europe. Yeah, hasn't it, huh? Yeah, I think it's so too. Exploded, you know. Uh I believe it's Giorgio. I I apologize if I missed yeah, no, his that's name. Not, that, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, nice guy. It's super nice, nice guy. guy. The show yep. chair. I mean, I had messaged him. I was good, I was hopefully going to go, you know, last year. Um, sure. but, you know, he'll take care of you, find a place in town for you. He did that it's, for us. Yeah. It's so, so the hospitality of people within this hobby is is just truly remarkable. You know, yeah, it's we really have something great. in common. You know, we're all yeah. geeks, and uh, we we have a certain passion for something. And yeah, for yeah, sure. It is. Everyone's always really nice. Yeah. Well, Adam, I wanted to ask you, I mean, you've accomplished so much. You're an author, you, you know, you've done video series, you've done, you know, seminars in person. What's the thing that you've done that you're probably the most proudest when you look back at your hobby work and what contributions that you've made? Well, what are you the most proud of? The two books I did. Anyway, everyone keeps asking when they're going to be reprinted. I don't know. I spoke to AFE Modeler if they need to make, you know, to print that many books, you got to guarantee that they're going to sell because you know, it's not worth their while to print anything less than a certain lot from what I understood. But those were a big thing. I remember the first time I went to Russia and came back from there, you know, tell me, in, tell me when I was in middle uh, high school that I'd ever go to Russia and actually see it during the, you know, during the Reagan years in the Cold War. You, I'd have never believed it. And I even got my parents to go over there and meet me when I was living there, you know. So uh, that was a big thing I did that I look back like, you know, I did that, you know, I look back on the years in Spain. Hey, I did that. That was a lot of fun. But yeah, the books were a big thing. You know, the YouTube videos were a lot of fun. You know, sometimes I feel like, um, you know, I'm not as prolific as I used to be and I never will be. I just don't have that type of time anymore. But it's great to know that even like with you guys tonight, everything, there's still an interest for what I've done and people are asking me those types of questions. It means a lot to me and I really appreciate it. We uh, really definitely do appreciate it, and we appreciate your time, Adam. Thank you so much yeah. for taking the time. We've had a lot of fun. We've laughed, and it's been so much fun getting to know you and getting to know the guy that has always built those incredible armor models. Well, um, and you know, thank you guys for your time. I was, to be honest with you, I was in kind of a crabby mood before I got on here. It had been a long day, but no, this is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Thank you again, and um, I Good. hope to talk to you all again soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, and um, uh, you know, you know, if you see me drop something on Facebook, you know, give me an honest opinion on it. You know, don't, don't, don't hold any punches now. We want to thank Adam again for stopping by and talking to us. It was an absolute blast. Uh, we just, we have to talk about this, guys. That was an amazing interview. And we just, we need to go on and and discuss this. And I first want to say, YouTube, he's only got 10,000 subscribers. We can do better than that. He deserves way more than that. 
So anybody that's listening to this, if you haven't checked his YouTube channel out, please feel free, go over there and subscribe to it. He's, he's excellent. Yeah, that YouTube channel is worth a look just for the serial videos of his KV-1 build. You will not find a better step-by-step demonstration of a huge number of weathering techniques that take you from step A all the way through step Z of an armor build. So that alone makes it worth checking that channel out. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the interview because it, it brought back a lot of good memories uh, from the early 2000s. You know, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't I did not meet Adam back then, but I certainly was, a, you know, a fangirl and went to his seminars uh, and certainly enjoyed his work on the table. So it was it was really cool to catch up and talk about those times and, you know, what modeling was back then. And, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully we can find a show like that again in the States. Yeah, and and I just I just have to say that it was it was an immense pleasure to get to talk to him. I mean, he if you are even tangibly aware of high level armor modeling, like you know who Adam Wilder is, and the opportunity to get to speak to him and and just listen to him tell his stories, which which were fantastic. It, I mean, it was it was just great. You know, <laughs> I'm fangirling a little too, just like gushing over it. But yeah, it was. I was so happy when we were done. Like. I walked down the street to go draw something off in my neighbor's house and it was like 10 o'clock at night. And I called my wife who was out of town at the time to tell her how awesome it was. Like that's, and she does not care about anything related to scale modeling. The, the one thing Adam does that I think really shows his talent is, you know, he takes a build like that object 704 we hit on in the interview and he changes it and modifies it. Or the tortoise is another great example. But he does such an amazing job and applies so much armor realism. His vocabulary is so good that where a lot of other modelers would you know, look at somebody that had done that and kind of disregard it, it, it's still universally lauded because it's so good. Yeah, I also loved about, uh, you know, the instance where he was in Turkey and almost got thrown in prison. That was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say to, to what you were talking about, Scott, like he, he definitely is one of the few people that again, if you, if you're aware of like the, the scene and scale modeling, like you can pick an Adam Wilder model out of a hundred models because Agreed. yeah they have, I mean, I don't want to say they have a look, so that's, that sounds cheap, but like you can tell his style and it's, it's that attention to detail that, that they're like, everything is intentional and everything looks like it should be there how he does it i don't know like i i couldn't copy that if i tried and it's just seeing his work and you know like we mentioned in, in the in the interview like he has he has books he's written books and i have them and they're they're fantastic and they're they're the type of book that you pull them out when you forget something but like you know he probably doesn't have to do that because i'm sure he re- remembers everything well, it was, uh, like you guys said, it was a tremendous honor to have him, and uh, it was so much fun to talk to him. If you would like to watch Paramount Pictures' Airplane, it's available <laughs> for purchase or rent from Amazon and stars with with Prime Channels. <laughs> that was good. Oh I God. actually looked it up the other day so I could... Uh, where Where can you watch that? Okay. Oh, dude, that's so classic. All right. Let me, uh, let me do a little wrap up here. <laughs> well, the- <laughs> all right.
Well, that's about it for episode 21. Thanks so much for listening. And just a reminder that you can leave us feedback about this and any of our episodes, any other episodes of our show over at our Plastic Posse Podcast Facebook page. Or you can email us at plasticpossepodcast at gmail.com. We want to once again thank all of our supporters. And we also want to give another shout out to our sponsor, Goodman Models, makers of the awesome Super Sanding Blocks. Coming up for episode 22, make sure to join us again next time as we return to Wargaming Miniature Painting with a featured interview with Christoph Eichhorn, a.k.a. Treverian Miniatures, fantastic mini painter and techniques master from YouTube. So until next time, here's looking forward to another episode in two weeks. Take care, guys. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! <laughs> yeah, use that one. Use that one. That was much better. Use them both. Oh, they're both going in. <laughs>